Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, good morning, everyone. Julian King with you. Great to have you along this summer morning. It's great to have you along. Again, I've said it twice. SEN 1170 AM on Sydney and via the SEN app. Our Queensland listeners will join us in the next hour of the program. The open line number, should you like to join me, one 1170 and the text line 0457 736 736. Tops are 28 in Sydney today, partly cloudy. We have a jam-packed show coming up. Dan Christian. Good fella, great cricketer, a former Aussie cricketer. Now Sydney Thunder assistant coach is going to be here. The Thunder get their campaign for BBL 13 underway tonight at Monica Oval against the Brisbane Heap. Now Simon Hill joins us every Tuesday. He's host of the Global Game. He'll be along to talk all things football. Hey, look, I'm very excited by this. Dragons royalty, the great David New. New, he's going to be my guest. As the NRL, of course, is on its Vegas jaunt. David is US-based now. He is also regarded as one of the founders of Rugby League in the United States. He established the American National Rugby League. Maybe he can tell them how to pronounce the name of the sport properly or say the name of the sport properly. Just a thought. I'll also chat basketball with Lauren Loz-Nicholson from the Sydney Flames. 2am, Tommy's back on deck as well. He shed a few kegs, Tommy. It's a late scratching after partaking in the old Technicolor yawns yesterday, but he looks magnificent. And pleased to say Jamie is back on the tools as well. 0457 736 736. The Big Bash last night, the Sixers, they have gone back to back to open their Big Bash 13 campaign. It was an unbeaten 60 from Dan Hughes that helped them pass the Hurricanes. So they're 2-0 now to start the season. The men in magenta, they chased down the Hurricanes 8 for 135. Four balls to spare in Launceston last night. Hughes top scored with 60 from 50. Not out after replacing Steve Smith who left the squad Ahead of Thursday's first test against Pakistan. And he shared a 47-run partnership with Moses Enriquez. Moses, 20 from 24. Uh, to just sort of iron out a, a decent chunk of that chase. A few concerns for the Hurricanes, though. An injury to Riley Meredith. Picked up a side strain in his side six-wicket loss. Now, look, not not the most memorable match. A bit of sort of nerdling at the end. There was a streaker. So there was something. There was a streaker. And if the security went any slower, they would have gone backwards. Let's not sugarcoat it. Then you have to compliment the Hurricanes for blinging it up. So I've got a dedication to the Hurricanes players this morning. This is a song for you. I'm in chains. I'm in chains. I should have renamed Blundstone Arena Tina Arena last night. I heard Jordan Silk this morning with Vossi and the Missile basically saying the chains that the Hurricanes players were wearing were a gift from Timmy David. On his return from India, and think about India, get the good stuff too. That 22 carat gold, all that IPL money for Tim Hay. What a lovely Christmas gift. But shouldn't the chains have sort of been neatly tucked away inside their shirts? 
I mean, we're not harping back to the great DK Lily era with the buttons all the way, you know, unbuttoned to the navel chain bouncing around on approach to the crease with a hairy chest showing. Those were the days. This mob couldn't hold a candle to DK Lily, But I thought that was one of the highlights of the game last night. Anyway, to more serious stuff, St George Lawara and the NRL have started urgent discussions to determine the appropriate action against rising star Junior Ramone, who was found guilty of a vicious hammer attack. This is in the Daily Telegraph. He avoided prison on Monday. So yesterday, after being found guilty of arming himself with a hammer and chasing a tradesman off a roof, this was during a heated dispute. This has been well covered, this story. The 21-year-old was sentenced to a two-year intensive corrections order, which is a term of imprisonment, but that is to be served in the community. So he won't be behind bars. His dad, though, Moan's father, Talatau, was sentenced for two and a half years in jail with a non-parole period of 12 months. This is a serious, serious offence. Now, an NRL spokesman said the NRL Integrity Unit will now review the proceedings into the Wollongong local court following the sentencing of Dragons player Junior Talatau Moan. Unquestionably, they will impose the NRL heavy sanctions on a moan, looking at suspension and fine. How long will that's to be determined? It's not out of the question that they deregister him too. That's been discussed. Still got two years remaining on his contract, Junior Ramone. Now, the Dragons released a statement yesterday, short and sweet. This was after the sentencing. It said, The Dragons acknowledged the two-year intensive corrections order that was handed to player Talatau Moan today. The club will now work closely with the NRL Integrity Unit to determine the appropriate next steps. An update will be provided once this process has been completed. Magistrate Gabriel Fleming described the NRL players' conduct as appalling. He said, you armed yourself with a hammer. The victims were vulnerable. The victim was up on a roof. There was nowhere to go. Miss Fleming told the court it was a tragedy the conviction is affecting Amon's playing career and finances as he supports his family in Australia and overseas. I think this is a tragedy. Could jeopardise your entire future in the profession you love? It is your tragedy, not mine. That'd be scarring words for Junior Amon. Scarring words. It is your tragedy, not mine. And Fleming is bang on. So Amon represented Tonga at last year's World Cup in England. The Dragons now, as is looking likely, will start next season with Ben Hunt and Kyle Flanagan in the halves. So this is a question. What do you do? What is a fit punishment now for Junior Amon? Do you sack him? Give him a year off? Give him a chance to redeem himself once he's served his time? Show remorse? Make amends? Let's have a listen to what our good mate Scott Sattler had to say on Sports Day yesterday. If I was at the Dragons, I'd be cutting his contract up. Just he's saying a new coach. We haven't had great success over the last few years. We've got to try and set a pretty high standard. And with a new coach, he's got a really good opportunity to send a really strong message here about what sort of players they want at the club. And are they going to put the, the club and their teammates first? Or are they going to think about themselves and be selfish? Uh, so if I'm the Dragons, I'm cutting up the contract. Doesn't matter how good of a player he is, unfortunately, a good young player. Now, that doesn't mean he's lost to the game completely, but then the NRL will come over the top of that and say, well, you're going to be banned from our game for... What do you reckon? X amount of weeks. Um, 12 weeks? It's a serious offence. Yeah, it's a very serious offence. I, I think 12 weeks minimum. I think there might be a thirty or $40,000 fine with some of it suspended. That, therefore, allows him to sit back and think about, is this what he really wants to do for the rest of his life, play rugby league? And if so, there's a window there for him to play at another club. What do you make of that? Do you agree with Sats' assessment? Tear up his contract. If Shane Flanagan's trying to affect cultural change at the club, you might just cut your ties and say, look, we don't want this kind of behaviour at St George Illawarra.
But on the flip side, you go, well, he could be remorseful. Should you give him or afford him the opportunity to make things right once he has served his suspension? Whatever that may be. Whatever that may be. 0457 736 736. Fitting punishment for Junior Ramon. thing about it is, and you sack him, he might take a year off, might play park footy, I don't know, then come back. I mean, he's a talented young player. Guaranteed another club's going to pick him up. So who are the biggest winners and biggest losers out of this? There's no perfect answer. We've seen it time and time again, you know, with NRL players and off-field discretions, criminal conduct and the rest of it. Club sacks them, serve their time all of a sudden. It's the second coming, and they carve it up for another club. And the fans of the original club are going, well, this doesn't seem entirely fair to me. But having said that, you know, sometimes you've got to think about the integrity of your club, what you stand for in a moral sense. No one is bigger than the game. No, certainly no one is bigger than your football club. I want to get your thoughts on that today, Junior Ramona. Fitting punishment. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy is that open line number. Well, the NRL, as our good mate Webby has said, has rolled into Las Vegas this week to promote the season opening doubleheader at Allegiant Stadium. Gets underway in March. That was the Raiders-Vikings game yesterday, which was an absolute Barry Crocker 3-0. They hadn't had a point at half-time. People want to bag rugby league. So before, during and after the Raiders match, the NRL was given uh, the type of publicity it cannot buy, or most certainly need if it's to live out its American dream. So the doubleheader was publicised frequently and regularly on the big screen throughout that match yesterday between the Vikings and the Raiders. Spencer Lenu, Manley's Aaron Wood, South Campbell Graham and the Broncos' Billy Walters. They all did interviews with Fox Sports, US Sports Network before the match and again at halftime. Now, posing for photos outside the stadium. This is quite funny. It was a Raiders fan sort of stuck his head in and said, oh, um, who are you people? But the one that got the biggest reception was Spencer Lenu. Walked in front of the faithful. They loved him. They didn't know who he was. He sort of jokingly said, Spencer, that new roosters recruit. I think it's because I'm Polynesian. They were Polynesian. They recognised me. <laughs> they recognised me. You know, and this is a thing, and, and I confess to being cynical about this incursion into the US market. Some are saying it's a pipe dream. Volandis is full steam ahead. Andrew Abdo as well. And they have toyed with playing games in LA and San Diego and San Fran, but amounted to nothing. Consigned to the two hard basket. Now, the current NRL administration wants to dip its toes in the US, wagering, of course, and that's the key, and the broadcast markets. So it is taking a long-term view. And whatever you think of PVL, you can't deny that he's a, a big thinker. There's been a bit of speculation too that this exercise could cost the game $10 bucks. Volandis and Abdo scoffed at that. They said they'll probably break even in the first year. Apparently ticket sales are tracking well, nearly 20000 What's nearly 20000 Seventy? Eighteen thousand. It's like in cricket, what'd you get thirty odd? You got twenty six. But nearly twenty thousand tickets sold, according to Douglas Morgan from the Raiders. He's assured Abdo that Vegas is the city of walk up starters to the event. I've heard that spin before. The NRL has privately set itself a target of forty thousand in a stadium that has a capacity of sixty five. So if you can, if you can fill it sort of two thirds, then they see that as a win. They see that as a win. So Allegiant Stadium is going to host Super Bowl Feb 11. It'll give the NRL three weeks for the surface to recover, painted logos to grow out. It is grass too. It is grass. But this game, it's a shame that you didn't have a better spectacle yesterday. The Raiders lost 3-0. And without hyperbole, many are calling it the worst game ever played.
the worst game ever played. So off a low base, maybe rugby league will, will poll well. The audience for that promotion yesterday would have sat around 2 million people, so that's pretty decent. That is very decent publicity. It was Kevin Kugler, Mark Sanchez, former NFL quarterback. They were the commentators. And Sanchez spent a bit of time pre-game. He was throwing the footy to Billy Walters and Spencer Lenu on the field. Kugler said, for the first time ever, the National Rugby League will open up the season here on March 2. And then he introduced Aaron Woods and Campbell Graham. And they were interviewed by Fox's sideline commentator, Laura Ockman. Let's have a listen to Woodsy and Campbell Graham. I think the Americans love the collision sport and, you know, Vegas is the entertainment capital. We want to bring the main game for Australia that we love We love doing it back home. And then there's no helmets, there's no pads. We're just in there to make collision and then just get the fans pumped up like they are today. Good luck following that, Campbell. How are you going to pump up America? Yeah, I think uh, we're just going to try and get out here and bash each other, really. Um, but, yeah, we want to come out here and entertain. And I think we've got the product to do that. So I'm really looking forward to coming back here in March and putting on a show. I would call it a rugby league scrum. You know, but the only thing is you can't push and you can't have the ball at the back. You've just got to push, get your heads in, get the collision, and then just let them go out the back and pass, let the pretty boys do all the work. Did Aaron Wood just say that they push in a scrum? He is old school. Simplicity in the language, isn't it wonderful? Well, we're just going to bash each other. The thing about it is, do you reckon the audience could have understood them? Particularly Ocker Australian accents. It reminds me when Prince Charles did that States United States tour in the 80s. They had to put subtitles in his, his address. And he speaks the Queen's English. They did it as well to, to Steve Irwin, the late great crocodile hunter. So I just, I just wonder how much they picked up of what Woodsy or Campbell Graham was saying. And, and Woodsy, it must be said, looked a little bit muddled, didn't he? He had the Raiders top and a Chicago Bulls cap. Went in Rome, I suppose. Look, and, and I want to get your thoughts, and I know they've discussed this a bit on breakfast this morning, Vossi and the Missile. This whole rugby and rugby league nomenclature often referred to over there as rugby you remember when Jared Hayne played for the 49ers and they call him this rugby player from Australia Uh, look by and large it it stands uncorrected the terminology and it's got a bit of traction on socials yesterday some say big deal so what I gotta say it it bothers me a little not a great deal but a little the bottom line is this if you're promoting your game I mean at the very least, ensure that it's referred to correctly. The competition is the National Rugby League. The sport is the National Rugby League. It might be a little thing, but it's an important thing to differentiate your sport from others. And as I said, I must confess, I was a bit cynical about this whole Vegas foray, but I, but I am softening. And you can't knock anyone for trying something different. You can't. And by and large, I think the supporters are invested. 0457 736 736. Rugby, rugby league, do you care? Or should they take the time to correct them and get it right? I've got a Signet Boost Power Bank up for grabs today. What if, let me ask you this, it's Curveball Tuesday, as Matty White likes to do. Hit or miss, Curveball Tuesday, I'm going to throw this curveball at you. What if the game, the double header, round zero, Allegiant Stadium, only gets 20,000 or even 30? Target was 40. What if they get 20, 25? Would that be considered a success? Because the joint would be less than half full. But they said it's a city of walk-ups. And what if they don't get them? What if they top out at 20 or 25? Would that still be considered a success? There's one for you. You can throw a couple of curveballs as me. Signet Boost Power Bank up for grabs on the program today. David Nofaluma, uh, trouble in Tiger Town at the moment. In fact, big week for the Tigers. Hadn't trained since last Wednesday. Of course, we reported this extensively over the last couple of days. 
Claimed he was subject to unfair treatment at training. He had some RLPA representatives there. We'll wait and see what happens. And the Telegraph is saying, privately, teammates believe Nofaluma should train harder rather than complain to the RLPA. So they've got a full training session today. He didn't train yesterday. He's still a few injury concerns, Nofaluma, but he was there. Full training session today. Dave Nofaluma will attend. So the club want him back to full fitness heading into the Christmas break. He's the leading all-time try scorer. His contract's about 500000 a season. And there's also reports in the telly today that Shane Richardson has been linked to a move to the Tigers. And this is part of this Crawford review, which they think will lead to some pretty dramatic changes. So a big, big week in Tiger Town. Congratulations in order to Alex Demonor. Good on you, Demon. He's joined Australian Tennis Royalty last night. He became just the third player behind Sam Stoser and Ash Barty to win at least two Newcomb medals. Well done to him. The world number 12, richly deserving winner after a career-best season that included him winning Demon his seventh title and first at ATP 500 level in Acapulco, Mexico. I think Kyrgios is a previous winner of that tournament. And then advanced to his Maiden Masters 1000 final. That was in Toronto and Canada. He's only 24. It's hard to believe. He shared the Newcomb medal with five-time recipient Barty in 2018. Stosa won the first three from 2010 to 2012. So the other nominees this year, WTA doubles number one Storm Hunter, one of the great names in sport. Top 10 doubles player Matt Ebden and Max Purcell, Alexi Popper and Rinky Hijikata, who had that great US Open run, and all of them achieved career-high singles rankings in 2023. So congratulations to you, Alex Demon. Or next stop, top 10. Top 10 for the Demon. 0457 736 736. couple of things I want to get your thoughts on today. Throw me a curveball. If they only get 20-odd thousand to the rugby league, in Las Vegas, is that a success? Junior mind, what's an appropriate punishment? And I'll throw this one out to you today, ladies and gentlemen. In light of Tim David's gift of chains to his Hurricanes teammates, I'm going to call upon your spirit of giving on the program this morning. If you can gift something to a player or a coach or an athlete for next year, or any time for that matter, what would it be? So, for example, your gift to Madge McGuire would be a fully fit Latrell Mitchell and Turbo. Maybe you'd gift David Warner a hundred in Sydney for a farewell. Maybe you'd gift Alex Demon or a top ten berth. Have a think. Tigers fans, would you gift David Nofaluma better fitness? Something to think about. Tim David gifted a bunch of gold chains to his Hurricanes teammates. If you could gift something to an athlete, coach, whoever, what would it be? Maybe I'd gift uh, maybe I'd gift Kyle Flanagan Dalian winning form. There's one for you. 0457 736 736. And the open line number, happy to get your thoughts on anything going on in the world of sport today. Free call 1300 01 1170. Jules in the chair for Matty White on summer mornings right across the listening network. We'll take our first break and back with plenty more. Great to have your company, Julian King, with you on summer mornings 0457 736 736. These texts are starting to roll in. We're talking about Tim David, who gave a bunch of gold chains to his Hurricanes teammates last night. So Tina Arena. Instead of Blundstone Arena, is what happened. And so I thought to myself, well, if you could gift someone something, call upon your Christmas spirit, what would you give them? Hi, Jules, says Jeff. I'd give Nathan Cleary a prenup. <laughs> Mary Fowler's going to earn more than him. Hi, right, Jules, I'd give the Storm Ford Pack some post-contact meters, says Dougie from Melbourne. Not bad, keep them coming in. And a few people having their say, too, in terms of the punishment in relation to Junior Amone. And likewise, rugby... 
v Rugby League. Does it bother you? Hi, Julian, says Lakemba Dragon. I don't care if our game is referred to as rugby. In a lot of places, they refer to both codes as simply rugby, most notably in northern England, where the game originated. That, that is true. But it's the National Rugby League. You know, we're promoting our competition. I know it's a little thing, but that's the sort of stuff that just bothers me. You know what it's like, Lakemba Dragon, when you've got a painting in the room and it's just slightly off-centre? Most people walk past it, but you just look at it, it's out of the corner of your eye, grabs you, and it just annoys you. It's just annoys you. Todd Kane got the flick for peeing on himself, but he didn't even do that. It was a stunt. Guy chases someone with a hammer. There's some perspective. Uh, thank you for that. Keep them coming in. To the open line we go, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. G'day, Dane. How you, how you going, Julian? Good? Good, mate. Thank you. Look, um, just with regards to rugby union, rugby league, and this game being held in L.A., if there was any foresight from rugby union at the moment, you'd be trying to use an ambush marketing strategy and you would send the Wallabies over to the East Coast and play a game against the USA. And the reason so is because the Americans have no idea or concept of what rugby league is. They understand what rugby union is because of the sevens game and because they play rugby union in the Ivy League schools. So this is a perfect opportunity for the Wallabies to be actually save some coin and invest wisely by taking advantage of that market. But then at the same time, guess what? They might get a winner against the USA. And so therefore, they might actually get a little bit more money in sponsorship or something for the future. So hopefully someone from Rugby Australia is actually listening and actually does something with a bit of foresight for a change and um, jumps on the bandwagon or jumps on the tails of what the land is, is trying to do here. What do you think, Jules? Uh, out of the box thinking by you, Dane, I guess the question is, would it be full-blown 15 on 15 or, or a sevens? Uh, how would they promote it? Do they have the money to do it? I mean, the, the team doesn't even have a coach at the moment. It seems to me like they've got a few more issues domestically before they think about this sort of thing, Dane. Now, and I'm just sort of talking off the top of my head here without having given too much deep thought to it. Oh, look, I understand, but we've we've got to create more opportunities to create more sponsorship dollars, which in turn creates more money to buy or be able to produce better players. And I think that's the problem. We've always had small thinking in rugby union. There's no bigger picture thinking. There's no one like the Finlandis. Look, I know Phil Wall will do a great job, but look, coach or no coach, you send 15 players over with, let's say, an interim manager, someone like Stevie Larkin, I just think here is our opportunity because Melburnians don't even know the difference between rugby league and rugby mm-hmm. union, right? So you can actually use this as leverage. And finally, we can actually say, oh, okay, so the Americans think no helmets, no thing up. Oh, that's rugby union. Yeah. Play off that, and it's a win for everyone. Dane, appreciate your call today. It's interesting. Yes, I don't think the sport of rugby has a visionary like Volandis, but even there, I mean, best case scenario, they break even, the NRL. They break even with this trip. So I'm not sure rugby has the same kind of marketing heft that rugby league has at the moment. And is the sport of rugby at the moment in a state or in a position where they can afford to go on some kind of promotional tour, promote the game of the states, and run at a loss? I don't think so. Good on you, Dave. Thank you. Let's get the news headlines on the other side of this. We'll catch up with Thunder assistant coach Dan Christian. Well, the Sydney Thunder get their Big Bash campaign underway tonight against the Brisbane Heat at Manuka Oval. A vengeance game, perhaps, after they were knocked out in last year's final in that eliminator by the Brisbane side. And hopefully...
That pitch at Monica is well covered this time and it's not rain affected. Dan Christian is the assistant coach of the Thunder and pleased to say he's on the line right now. G'day, Dan. G'day. Thanks for having me. Uh, pleasure. Firstly, 56 games down to 40. It's going to be even more a bridge next year. Do you sense that the competition now has almost like a new sense of meaning, that, that the games individually mean a bit more and the final now cut from five to four? Well, yeah, you can't get off to a slow start, can you, with the, with the reduced amount of games? Um, and yeah, I like the idea of it. I think I think it's probably felt like it's dragged out a little bit the last few years. So, um, yeah, the, each game's going to have probably a little bit more meaning than what it has in the last couple. Tell us about how the squad's shaping up. Cam Bancroft, of course, a big-name off-season recruit. Liam Harcher, good to see him here in the Sydney Thunder colours. It had some pace to that lineup, And Ollie Davies as well, you know, wonderful in the shield so far this year. I think he's got that finger injury. How's he placed at the moment? Yeah, he's done okay. He's got through training and he's, and he's been looking pretty good. Uh, and then, yeah, as you say, Bancroft and Hatcher are going to be really handy additions. Liam was great for the, for the start of last year and Bancroft's been fantastic for the, for the Scorchers and obviously playing some great cricket in all forms. So, yeah, they're, they're really handy additions, those blokes. And Ollie, Ollie's just going from strength to strength as well. He's got 100 in the Sheffield Shield. Um, earlier this year and um, yeah, seems to be improving all the time. So um, yeah, adding those blokes in and, and our younger guys just getting that little bit more experience as well. But uh, the squad's shaping up really well. Um, you throw in Alex Hales, who's you know, one of the best 2020 players in mm. the world, and and Zaman Khan, our other overseas, who's a fantastic death bowler, got a really unusual action, comes a bit side on, a little bit like Lassith Malinga used to. So. Um, he'll uh, he'll hopefully be a handful for a few people as well. Yeah, Hales, of course, uh, he's the gun in that middle order, isn't he? You know, and you used him with your platinum pick, so you didn't have to use your attention option at uh, 245 runs in nine matches last season, striking at 141. Just on on Bancroft, what was the thinking behind getting him to the Thunder? Was it purely for his exploits at the top of the order? Was it sort of to to add a bit of experience and leadership to the group? What was so attractive about getting yeah. Cameron Bancroft to the Thunder? combination and just the fact that he's been a part of that that successful Scorchers team. So, um, yeah, we've seen how good they've been the last, well, the whole, as long as the Big Bash has been going, they've been successful. So, so, yeah, the boys have been picking his brain already about the way that they go about things. And, um, yeah, and hopefully, hopefully we can try and employ a couple of those little, little ideas that that he's come up with and just his, his presence around the group as well, knowing that, knowing that he's, um, had that success and he's been scoring so many runs as well. It's, um, yeah, it's nice to have that, that sort of calm experience as well. And now you've got Chris Green, who for so many years has been the face of the Thunder and uh, it's a very pretty face as well, of course. He has captained before, full-time <laughs> captain this year, made his Australian debut. Uh, I always wonder about players, Dan, and you'd be well-placed to answer this, having represented your country, you come back at domestic level. I mean, how do you feel as a player? Do you feel a better player? Do you feel a responsibility to kind of impart that knowledge on the group? Um, it's, yeah, you, you definitely feel, um, you definitely feel, I wouldn't say the responsibility to put, to impart that experience back on the group, but, but you definitely come back a better player because you've spent that time training with and, and playing against the best players in the world. So, um, it, it's definitely a wonderful experience, even if you don't, even if you don't get on the park that often, just being in the nets with the guys and being in the change room with the guys like that's invaluable. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure Greeny will... Greeny will you know, show that, that um, you know, it's been a really beneficial experience for him and, and a, great, a great reward too for the hard work that he does off the field 
Um, you know, we all see what he does on the field and how competitive he is and, and how big he is for the Sydney Thunder. But, yeah, great reward for the work that he does off the field. He, he you know, busts his backside in the gym. He's always in the nets working hard. Um, yeah, so so really pleasing for him. Yeah, and the same could be applied too to, to Tanvi Sanger. I mean, that invaluable World Cup experience he got. The boys don't sort of just casually have a bit of the Aussie gear on at training. You know, the great cricketer lads say, you know, it's like, <laughs> where do you wear your New South Wales gear when you're playing premier cricket or grade cricket? It's a real alpha move. Please tell me that I do that. <laughs> no, they don't. No. Um, although the boys did see that Greeny had, he, he had an Australian kit bag in the back oh. of the <laughs> <laughs> Just as he was changing over into his thunder stuff. <laughs> yeah, I'll probably be doing that too. Uh, Nathan McAndrew, he's had a good year, hasn't he? He has. He's been fantastic for the, uh, for the Redbacks down there. He's been taking lots of wickets and um, chipping in with the bat where he needs to. And yeah, he's been really good and obviously well rewarded too with that Australia A selection last week. So, um, yeah, we're, we're, we're looking pretty strong, I think, all across the board. As I was saying earlier, those um, a lot of those guys that have been um, you know, in the team for a long time now, they've, they've started to get a, a lot more experience and they're, and they're you know, really coming into their own and, and starting to dominate first-class cricket now too. So, you know, I don't think it'll be... I don't think it'll be a, um, you know, be far away for him to start doing really well in the 2022. What about Davey Warner? Dan won't be available until after the Pakistan Test Series. We finally saw him return to Thunder Colours last season. A likelihood to, to have a trundle at some point? Hopefully, yeah. He, um, hopefully he does really well in those Test matches too. But we've, we've seen how good yeah. he is in, in white ball and how good he's been in the, in the last 12 months in white ball for Australia. So um, to be able to add him in, after the test matches will be will be huge. We've got Alex Hales right up until the end of of the regular yeah, season, yeah. and then he's off to play in another competition. So we'll miss him for um, we'll miss him for the finals. But yeah, to be able to bring in someone like David with his experience, he'll be um, yeah that'll be invaluable as well. How's your fitness holding up? If there's an injury crisis, you prepared to, to dust off the boots? <laughs> uh-huh. I'm fit enough, but am I mentally prepared to do it? Oh. We'll have to wait and see. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully I'm not required. <laughs> uh, a lot of talk about Cameron Bancroft. You know, is he going to be the man to replace David Warner once Davey eventually calls time in his test career? And we've seen this battle between him and, and Harris and, of course, Matty Renshaw. Suggestions maybe Mitch Marsh could be an option. Uh, you know, I, I wonder if it's a case of picking specialist openers there, Daniel, or whether you, you go for a batter that, you know, strikes in a similar mould to David Warner to sort of keep that momentum at the top of the order. Personally, I'd go for, for one of those three, either Harris, Bancroft or, or Renshaw. Um, they've, all, they've all got runs on the board in, in Sheffield Shield cricket at different stages. Um, and they're, and they're, I, wouldn't say, I wouldn't say they're slow by any means with their strike rates either. They all, they all like hitting the ball and, and all like attacking. And they, you know, but if they have to shut up shop, they can do that as well. So um, I personally think we should, go for, we should go for a like-for-like in terms of an opener. Um, rather than a rather than a hitter as such, um, and even if it's not, even if one of those miss out, there's you know Usman Khawaja's um, you know the same age as David Warner, so he's mm. probably going to move on in the next couple of years as well. So I'm sure one of those other boys that that don't get the opportunity when Dave mm. comes in, they're going to get an opportunity at some stage as well. A suggestion by Mitchell Johnson, maybe it's the perfect time to unleash Lance Morris. You know, Andrew McDonald said, you know, we don't gift baggy greens. It's going to be hard to break up the holy trinity of Stark Cummins Hazelwood. You know, is it a case of, and given that each test has extra value, given the World Test Championship cycle too, Dan, is it a case of, well, you know, the wild thing's just got to bide his time or is there a merit to saying, you know, now's the time on a home track to unleash him? Yeah, 
No, I think those other boys have, have got first dibs. Um, and then, and then you know, Scott Boland's obviously in there as well, who's done a fantastic job whenever he's got the opportunity. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's just, you know, unfortunately the way it is for Lance at the moment, those, he's got, you know, three of, those three are going to go down as three of Australia's best ever fast bowlers. So, yeah. um, you know, I think he's just going to have to, just going to have to bide his time and, um, and, you know, learn, hopefully learn as much as he can just from being in the squad around those blokes. And what about this game that we saw on Sunday night? Six point five overs. You would have seen the the footage of it. That ball just spraying everywhere. You know they did their best to try and get a game, but it was very dangerous. You can see the reaction there of Josh Inglis and even Quentin de Kock. I mean, have you been in a situation like that before, Dan? Where a bit of water seeped on the pitch and you thought, oh, we might give this a go, only for you to wheel the wheel and think, no, nah, no, thank you. I care for my health too much. <laughs> yeah, no, I've um, I've never played in a game where it's, where it's been called off due to the due to safety concerns with the pitch. Um, so yeah, that was pretty surprising, uh, pretty surprising to see, and, and disappointing really too, because it's a it's a good ground down there in Geelong. They always get a good crowd. And, um, people people love going out there and watching the Renegades play. So um, yeah, disappointing for them, and, and disappointing for the competition, I guess. So uh, hopefully they can sort that out. Fingers crossed. Thank you so much for your time on the program this morning, Dan. The Thunder and the Heat gets underway tonight, uh, 7.15 local time. And hopefully the Sydney Thunder can start their Big Bash season with a win. Thanks, Dan. Cheers. Thanks, guys. There he is. Dan Christian, assistant coach of the Sydney Thunder. Yeah, good to catch up with Dan Christian, one of the great guys in Australian cricket. And you catch all that action live tonight. I think Jimmy Smith and Dougie Bollinger with the core of the City Thunder and the Brisbane Heat from Monica Oval. Like I said yesterday, we raised a bit of money to buy some tent pegs and a bit of extra hessian and a tarp from BCF. So hopefully we kept those covers firmly over the pitch there at Monica Oval. We can get a game away. How about that? I don't think it's too much to ask. Now, we have put a question up on our Twitter page at, or sorry, X page, Matty White SEN. And I raised this question at the top of the program. If you get, say, 25,000 tops to Allegiant Stadium, so less than half full, where the target is 40, can you consider that a success? Just a thought. Yes or no? Go to the Twitter page at Matty White SEN and have your say. Two a.m. Tommy made the point during the break. He said, how good are those custom-made Steedon balls? i got to agree. I don't always agree with Tommy. I think it looks good in the hands of Spencer Lenny. He said Spencer Lenny looks very good in a Raiders shirt. Looks even better in a Rooster shirt. With the custom-made Steedens with the Stars and Stripes and Knights. And they are. They're, they're very sharp, I've got to say. But are still the greatest ever Steeden with the hooped ones they use in the Origin era. You know, the, the brown and white hooped footies. And then, of course, the classic brown with the white tips. They were great, but they yeah, look they look very very nice. So four five seven seven three six seven three six. Chock at Calderwood. Uh, morning to you. I'm predicting a forty to fifty thousand crowd for round zero. I think that's a success. My word, it would be. It'll get some eyeballs on the game with the NFL and NBA being in their off season. Even if it gets the attention of zero point zero five percent of NFL fans, it's nearly a million people. I can see us looking back at our skepticism in five years, thinking what were we worried about? Look, there's a sense of gimmick about it. Well, let's not sugarcoat it. But the bottom line is, I mean, if you can even temporarily get some kind of broadcast deal to screen those matches, that's all money. That's all rivers of gold in the NFL coffers, wagering partnerships. And that's the reason they're doing it. Good on them. Good on them. Growing the coffers. Growing the game. G'day, Jules, says Simon. I think Betty Dorsius is as good as any T20 bowler in the world right now. He's up there. That's why they picked him for Australia, especially at the death. Or am I just biased being a Sixers fan? I don't think so. He's been on the, the radar of national selectors for a while. So I know we saw him feature there in India. He was in the squad a few years ago without playing a game. 
So they've regarded him very highly for a time, Simon. Marco. Hello, Marco. Morning, Jules. A 20,000 crowd for the NRL game in Vegas. It's probably what you would expect, really. Well, I reckon they're nudging it anyway. It is what the NRL expected. I'm not sure about... Uh, I would think the NRL would have expected a bigger crowd. They're taking a game to a country that isn't familiar with it. Well, the thing about it is they want 40,000. They shoot for 40,000. They get it. If you get two-thirds full, it doesn't really matter what the breakdown is. If out of that 40,000, you know, 30 might be Aussie fans and expats and 10,000 might be curious American sports fans. Benny Dorsch's figures are 5 for 60 from his first two games and you factor in, you know, the passing of his dad. Remarkable effort by Benny Dorsch's. OJ, Jules, do you think Flano will shed a tear if and when the NRL give a moan a long holiday and then the Dragons rip up his contract? Uh, and as I say that, my little phone box in front of me has just crashed on itself, OJ. So I can get back to that, 0457 736 736. I'm broadcasting today from the King Castle, trying to juggle the kids and as we approach school holiday, holiday time. And you know what I've got tonight? I've got my son's end-of-year school presentation. Yeah. There are those things where it's almost... You know, it's impolite to leave after your kid's performance. So they did a little song and dance. Like, okay, great. Can we go home? No, no, no. So hang on. I stayed for your kid. And the worst is when your kid's class is the last class and you've got to sit through all the kindies and all the year ones and all the year twos. And the poor kindy kids, these things go on at 9.30, 10 at night. Half of them are in bed every night by 7.30. The little tackers are falling asleep. They are an absolute punish. I know they're going to be done and then they do the school leadership presentation for the next year and who's the school captain and the house captains and all that kind of stuff. And then the end of year awards and congratulations, you get this sporting award, you get this academic award. And they are long, long nights and parents out there of young kids will absolutely sympathise with me. And so for Jamie and Tommy, who are still young and fit and haven't planted their seeds, uh, enjoy this time while you can. Because it's all down here from here, buddy. A breaking back with more. Jules in for Matty White, Tuesday morning. Welcome back to now the program. Julian King in for Matty White on SEN Summer Mornings. Uh, hello to our friends tuning in on 11.70am in Sydney. And it's a very good morning to our dear friends and colleagues north of the Tweed on SENQ 693 in Brisbane, 1620 on the Gold Coast. Now, we ran a Twitter poll at the moment, an X poll. That's weird, I won't call it X. If the NRL only get, say, cap out at 25,000, at Legion Stadium. The goal is 40,000. It's got a capacity of 65k. If they top out at 25,000 at Legion Stadium in Las Vegas, so say two-thirds full for round zero, would you call the innovation a success? At the moment on the Twitter poll, 46.6% say yes, 53.4%. That's interesting. Say no. It's not just about the feet at the grounds, of course. It's about how much you can extract from a short-term broadcast deal to show those games, as well as at wagering on those games. He's a visionary, Peter Volandis, whatever you think of him. But we'll keep that up for the remainder of the show. Just go to at Matty White SEN. That is the Twitter handle, at Matty White SEN. In the Big Bash last night, the Sixers are two from two at the moment, defeating the Hurricanes by six wickets with four balls to spare. Not a bad game of cricket. Didn't set any, well, didn't exactly set the cricket world alight, although Simon on the text line disagrees. He says, a lot of people may think last night's T20 match was boring. I thought it was fantastic. I'm not a fan of match where a side scores 190. I'd much rather see a contest between bat and ball. The game averaged out at about seven per over. That is exciting cricket in my book. Uh, look, different strokes are different folks, Simon. As we said, we had a streaker on the field. If those security guards are any slower, they'd go backwards. And then the gold chain. So we're talking about this on the show today. 
So some of the Hurricanes players, as, as those in commentary had noticed as well, and you would have seen it on your TV screens, had gold chains. Now, Tim David, T20 gun for hire, superstar, Australian representative, when he was over in England, he bought a few gold chains. Jordan Silk mentioned this on Breakfast with Vossi and the Missile this morning. So we're walking around the gold chains, sort of DK Lily style, with the shirt unbuttoned to the navel. Although none of these, none of these cricketers today have hairy chests. That's the thing of yesteryear. But then I said, if you could gift something to someone for the next year, athlete, coach, whatever, what would it be? So, for example, Michael Maguire, would you gift him a fit turbo and a fit Latrell for the entire Origin series? Would you gift Flano Dalian winning form from Kyle? Would you gift the Tigers a fit David Norfoluma? Would you gift David Warren 100 in Sydney, for example? Have a think about that, 0457 736 736. That is the text line number. We'll get to David New very shortly. A uh, big fan of Newey, ex-Dragon and a pioneer of rugby league in the USA. And also this hour, catch up with Loz Nicholson from the Sydney Flames. Mothers-in-law have this knack. I don't have some kind of cosmic rule of just ringing at the worst possible time. And I love my mother-in-law. She's a wonderful, wonderful woman. But it might be the kids are screaming. You're, you're trying to clean them in the bath or something. and We're trying to get them to bed. That's when they decide to ring. Have you noticed that? On air, they ring. Right at the end of the ad break too, so you can't take that call. I don't think I'm the only one that's had that experience. I'm sure I'm not the only one that's had that experience. Funny, isn't it? I think it's taken as written that your in-laws, mothers-in-law, tend to ring at the worst possible time. Probably mums as well, to be honest. Morning, not Maddie. Mate, the things with the Yanks, they identify their sports in terms of NFL, NBA, NHL. Uh, we're better off selling our sport as the NRL, not rugby league, because they'll continue to call it rugby, unfortunately. Not the worst suggestion. Do you like the sport of NFL? And, and they've had this debate, haven't they? The sport is Aussie rules, not AFL. But now it's sort of almost generically referred to by the competition rather than the actual code name. So do you like NRL as opposed to do you like rugby league? I love the sport of AFL. Well, the sport is not AFL, AFL it's Aussie rules. Maybe we're fighting a losing battle in that respect, kind of like we're up against it with the word versing. My son says it. It's in the dictionary now, and sadly, I feel that's another one lost. Victorians don't know the difference between rugby and rugby league, so many Victorians of rugby league uh, use the generic term rugby. Well, we should be schooled in that. They have a rugby league team and a very successful one, so they should know better. Only 25,000. At least I won't spend too long in the beer lines, says Spring Farm Crusher. Ever the optimist, Spring Farm Crusher. I love it. There's always the other. That's the thing. How good is a packed Leichhardt Oval on a Sunday? It's good. Until you spend 45 minutes trying to line up for a beer. That is a problem. So you're thinking about the pros and cons. You need to get the scales out and go, okay, pro. Short beer cues. Clink, con. Looks bad on TV. Clink, and on and on you go. Morning, Julian, says Brent. I couldn't agree more with you in relation to referring to rugby league simply as rugby. I don't know if the Americans know the difference between league and union. I don't want them to encounter a rugby union game and associate that snooze fest with rugby league, says Brent. There's, yeah, I'm not sure if they do the nuance particularly well, and I don't want to generalise here. Because the NFL, or Green Iron, or American football rather, is a, is a very technical sport. Junior Ramon should get a year ban minimum. Dragon should tear his contract up. He's very, very lucky not to go to jail. Yeah, he is. And his dad went to jail. And I heard, I saw a Dragons, a few Dragons fans, in fact, online saying maybe it's not the worst thing that he spends a bit of time away from his dad. I, I don't want to profess to know the intricacies of his relationship with his dad. And I would never normally say, you know, don't spend time with your parents. But anyway, 
Sucks for Dragons to develop him if they cut him now. Another club cashes in like the Bulldogs at Bronson Sherry. Sherry had a long time out of the game. In fact, Sherry's time out of the game is longer or was longer than Amone's will be. I'm certain of that. Jules, Matty Heidi and Fletch refer to Campbell Graham as the serial killer. Surely there are more outgoing blokes that could have chosen to promote the Vegas game. I thought he spoke well. As I said, the simplicity of the language when he did that sideline interview with Fox Sports over in America. I said, you know, what? tell us about the game of rugby league. Why would you promote it? And Woodsy says it's collisions. He just said, we're just going to go and bash them. See, that is terminology they can understand. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy, the open light number. Well, we are talking about Vegas. And the NRL's bold plan to hit the States is taking shape. Round zero is in readiness. And the Charm Offensive, of course, on full show. We saw that at the Raiders-Vikings game yesterday. An unforgettable game. Well, sorry, more to the point, a forgettable game. But importantly for Rugby League, they got themselves in front of at least two million eyeballs. David New, former Dragon and pioneer of Rugby League in the States, is on the line right now. Morning, Newey. Julian, how are you, mate? Good I'm morning. really, really uh, well uh, on a scale of 1 to 10. Good afternoon from uh, beautiful... Philadelphia in the US of A. How excited are you about this this vision to bring the game to the States? And it looks like this time it it seems a bit more practical than previous iterations. Oh, it's exciting, mate. You know, for a guy who's had an opportunity to have a crack at trying to, you know, get people interested in the game here, this is like uh, you know, the whole effort that we tried to put together on steroids times a thousand. You know, you've got the the, the interest and the excitement around the NRL competition, tremendous athletes, one of the best rugby, rugby. I've got to be careful what I say, the best rugby competitions, even though it's rugby league, competitions yeah. in the world, uh, on show here for, for Americans to, you know, really, really see and feel. I think it's, it's a fantastic initiative and the fact that they want to put together a long-term plan gets me really, really, really uh, excited. Just on that, David, you established the American National Rugby League. How much of an appetite is there for the game in the USA? And I'm not just speaking from, I guess, an expat's perspective, but from curious American sports fans as well. Well, that's the word, mate, sports fans. You know, Americans, they they love a contest. And especially, you know, most definitely if if it's Americans involved, but they want to see the best. And if you're going to be the best here and they get a chance to look at it, they'll, they'll certainly respect the, the, you know, the, the effort and, as, as you mentioned earlier, the collisions and the contact and the scoring. That's going to get their attention. There's no doubt about it. And it looks so much like football. You know, the shape of the field, the shape of the ball, you know, the strategy, the basic strategy of the game. You know, you know it's our turn for a couple of possessions or downs, and now it's your turn. Stop us. We're going to get past you. It's... They're going to take to it. I just really, really have always believed that. I always thought it was about access, Julian. It was like, how much can they see? And then how much can we do on the ground floor beneath it? Where do those two things meet in the middle? And, you, you know, you get that organic growth. And I think what they've got going on here is from the top down, I mean, these big tentpole events of bringing these wonderful, um, you know, teams to, to the US to be showcased, much like they do with the NFL in London or Germany, wherever else they're going to do it. That's the way to do it. You know, you've got the in-game experience and then you've got that, you know, wrapped around that, that live broadcast. So you give yourself access and the opportunity to, 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 to be um, enjoyed and seen by, you know, a, a massive audience. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Many aspects of this top-down versus organic growth. So if I was to say to you, David, knowing 
what it's like on the ground there for rugby league in the USA, the best way to, to sell the game or to sell round zero? Is it, as we heard there from Aaron Woods and Campbell Graham, of just showcasing the collisions and the basher, do you need to put the bells and whistles on it, You know, introduce sort of the entertainment and, and innovations in the game, or is it a combination of all of the above? Well, I think the, the latter part's a combination of all of the above, but the first part is you've got to get their attention. And if it means that you've got to be a little simplified in your approach and and, and your, uh, you know, overview of what it is, let's be honest, you know, it's it's a really physical contest. Uh, you know, there's a lot of collisions. So those things are going to get people's attention. So whichever way you want to phrase it or the terminology you want to use, let's bash them and, you know, smash them. I, I, I think it works. And then once you've got their attention... You know, then you can really start to educate them on, on the on the nuances of the game and, and the things that's going to keep their attention and ultimately, you know, grow a business that you're trying to expand to in this marketplace. I'm fascinated in the breakdown of participation of rugby league in the USA at a grassroots level, David. What what would be the percentage breakdown, I guess, of you know expats, a former rugby league and rugby union players, versus Americans who just have a curiosity about the game and wanted to perhaps try something different. Oh, I would say it's ninety percent of locals playing rugby league in this country. Ninety percent locals. You've not got guys coming. Out, yeah, you've not got guys coming over you know, on on any type of you know hefty fee or contract to come and play in a local rugby league competition here in the US. We know from our experiences, guys would come if they did come overseas, and we have some relationships with clubs where they'd send young kids from SG Ball or, or whatever that might be to come and play with us. Our responsibility was to house them. And find them a job. You know, there was no out of out of pocket expense with respect to you know match payments. So that was the sprinkling of those guys with the rest of them were Americans. You know, guys who were crossed over, cross over athletes from football or or basketball or other sports. Um, but yeah, the local community for rugby league here is is, is major. U.S. based people. Now, when I say that, you, yeah, expats are here, but I'm an expat. I've been here for 30 years, so mm. I've probably lived in America longer than I've lived in Australia. So I don't count myself as as, as an expat. I, I think I'm I'm one of the one of the locals. Um, so from that perspective, you know, the, the major major audience will be uh, local Americans. I'm fascinated as to how you'd sell the sport to Americans born and raised. You know, do, do you set up in colleges? I think about when they introduced the the skeleton in a Winter Olympics, basically the luge head first. You've got to be a bit of a madman, David. And, and they yeah. said, all you need to do is get to the oh, bottom, yeah. but uh, the key is the starters. So what they did <laughs> in the recruiting process, they go to the beaches and have a look at the best beach sprinters. They go, okay, I can turn you yep. into a skeleton Winter Olympics athlete. Do, do you sort of look at some gifted athletes who, for whatever reason, you know, don't make it or can't make it the NFL, for example, and say, you know what, rugby league could be the game for you? Yeah, I think it's a, it depends on what your motivation is, right? If you're looking just to grow a local competition, you spread the net far and wide and you take whoever you can, right? You take those guys who didn't make it in other sports or enjoyed some sports at a high school level and were looking for something else, else to do. But if you want to go to the next level and really identify athletes for a professional competition overseas, I think that's part of the strategy of the NRL, which I think is gold that if they put together a program similar to the NFL's international player pathway and they identify athletes here and they skill them up and they get them focused on rugby league-specific drills and, and, and technical um, education, that's something that will have local impact because it will motivate guys to come across and, 
what is this? I've got a chance to, you know, have a professional career. Okay, I'm outside of the top end of athletes that are being um, drafted into the NFL. I'm finished my college career. This is an opportunity for me. Let, let's see uh, what that might look like. And out of that wide base of people who might want to do it for that motivation, there'll be a cohort of those that are really rugby league specific, whether they're mm. that linebacker athlete or whether it's a wide receiver or a running back. It's not going to be all of them, as you know. It's not going to be the linemen, even though you know Jordan Moilata might jump through the phone and, and hit me on the head for saying that, but that, <laughs> it won't be. They're just too big, aren't they? They're too big, and then and and their skill and their and their core, you know, set of, of of skills just won't be able to translate. But there's going to be some good ones in the midst of that. And you see it, you see it in the USA Sevens rugby union programs for men and women. They they compete, and then you know at the next Olympics they're going to be right up there and having a crack at at medals in that. So they're guys that came from you know football and other sports and have taken to that school, you know, the, the skills of of rugby sevens, which gives me a belief that it can happen for rugby league as well. And then you can start to grow, you know, the the, the locals and, and, and that organic development that you've mentioned. International player pathway, does it frustrate you the amount of cynicism there has been around, I guess, taking the game to the States? No, nah, it doesn't, mate. Not, not a bit. You know, I think we started this thing with a couple of guys in the parking lot. You know, we'll play some touch footy and started with three and a handful of them. That was seven, then it was 10. And then we had 13 and then we had 26. So that sort of stuff just washes off me. Who cares? Mm. You know, people are going to give an honest effort and, and really try, which the NRL are doing. Well, I'm, I'm, on, the, I'm on the side of um, the motivated, the ones that want to be positive about it because there's a million reasons why we can do it, mate, isn't there? You know, I've seen a bit of it about the coverage yesterday from the Raiders game at halftime. And it's fair. Everyone can have their opinion. But you're going to jump on these guys for calling it a rugby scrum and they show some content that looks a bit like a mall. And that's the confusion. But it's interest. And right now, when was the last time rugby league or the NRL, or rugby for that matter, was focused front and centre and featured in the middle of the halftime of an NFL football game? Yeah. Was part of the pre-game package, was part of the post-game interviews and discussions take it take it while you can you know because i know what it's like to try and fumble around in the dark with very few resources to try and make it work that's not easy what they're doing is i'll eat it up i love seeing the balls you know we played australia the tomahawks played the kangaroos way back almost 20 years ago in philadelphia franklin field when wayne bennett brought the guys across and when i tossed the balls out to them before the game and they were stars and striped balls everyone kind of looked at me a little bit funny and then they realized, like, how good is this? Because it made sense, you know, and it was, it was something that got people's attention, but it's also part of a razzmatazz and the excitement of what we're trying to do in this country. So for what they're doing here, I'm a million percent behind them, you know. Uh, I, I give them full credit. The other thing I find really fascinating too, Newey, Spencer Lenny apparently got the biggest cheer and they're all chairsy walking past, and, and he said, I don't know why. Maybe it's the fact that I'm you know, a Pacifica player, and we know now that almost 50% of the NRL are comprised of Pacifica players. I wonder if that's, a, yeah. I guess, another avenue for, for deeper engagement, uh, given the, the growing number of Pacific players and you know, those from America, Samoa, and, and all around the islands that are making inroads into the NFL. No doubt. Look at the NFL if you look at the population of players that play in that. I'm, I'm going to predict that there's a there's a similar number there's probably 20 30 percent of the nrl nfl players 
are of Pacifica heritage. And again, it's because of the body type and the athletic ability translates perfectly into the game. So it, it, that doesn't surprise me that Spencer Lanier walked walked you know on the stadium and there were a bunch of guys, you know, fellow Polynesians from Samoa or Tonga, who, who whether they recognised him or not, they understood that uh, he looks like one of those we're going to cheer for him, you know, and mm-hmm. it's that's it's a fun thing, it's a good thing. So I think that in and of itself, and and you know, some of the contextual base for what you're saying is the rugby sevens that used to be played in Vegas in the same not the same location but off the strip. They got 80,000 fans over three days, about 10 hours of live television. And that was made up of a community of people who would travel to Vegas because it was a destination. You know, they'd come for the rugby and stay for the party. And, you, you know, the game in of itself, if they don't make it out of reach, and I'll, I'll be honest in saying this because I'm from that heritage, if the, if the price point isn't out of the reach of that um, Pacifica community, they're going to come in numbers. And they did it in, in Vegas for the Sevens. And there's no reason why they won't do it for the NRL. Most definitely. You know. You'll be there in Vegas, Newey? I might not. I don't, I don't know, mate. I, I don't know. The fact that it's on TV, I, don't, I guess I've gotten old. <laughs> and I've, I've spent some time in, time in Vegas. But the fact that it's live on TV motivates yeah. me to be the fact that, wow, this must be, will be fun just to sit back and watch it. But yeah, if the opportunity's there, I'll, I'll certainly make the trip out. But Either way, I'm going to be watching for sure. It'll be massive. And one, one more before we let you go. I know you're a mad cricket fan too. Do you get a chance to, to catch much of the cricket? Do you get easy access over in the States? I do, mate. It's crazy that you say that because there's a channel there called Willow TV. Perfect. And you've got to pay for it, but it's not that expensive. But it's, um, I, I think I get, well, my mates come over from Australia and, and they sit and watch it, they, they say, I'm getting more cricket than they do back home in Australia. So <laughs> it's the guys that used to run, they were behind the Indian times, but they're yeah. also very heavily now embedded in the uh, Major League cricket here in the USA. So. Yeah, great. But seeing the Aussies go so well at the World Cup, that was fantastic. I know everyone was bashing them after the first two games, but mm. wow, what a ride home that was. Fantastic. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, that is conversation for another day. Uh, thank you so much for sparing some time. We're very much looking forward to round zero March next year, the Rugby League taking on Las Vegas in the USA. Good on you, Newey. Thanks, Julian. All the best, mate. Cheers. And Bye-bye. you. There he is, a great fella, David New. 0457 736 736. We'll take a break. Yeah, great to catch up with David New. Uh, breaking news from Danny Widler on Twitter, hearing that the Bulldogs will not be making an offer for Adam Fanua Blake. So according to Danny Widler, the dog's out of the race for Adam Fanua Blake. Now, Simon, thank you for t- retweeting our Twitter poll. He's got 51 no, 49 yes. With regards to the question I posed, if you only got twenty to 25,000 at Legion Stadium, when the target's 40,000, would it be considered a success or a failure? And gifts, because Tim David gifted a bunch of gold chains to his Hurricanes teammates. Jeremy says, I'd like to give the wooden spoon to the Roosters. Very nice. I would give Eddie Jones half a brain, says John from Lawton. Then he'd have half a brain. Is that what you're suggesting there, John? Uh, Jules, hope all is well. Regarding Vegas, was the world not watching rugby league during COVID when it was the only sport on television? The USA is also one of the fastest-growing areas for union at college level, so the NRL will definitely find some traction. Thank you for that, Joel. You're David New, very bullish about the organic growth of league and certainly a side of the sevens as well in the USA. G'day, Shagger, LA Reptile. Honestly, NRL and Dragons stand for something. Amon needs one-year suspension, contract torn up. I think it's a disgrace he didn't go to jail. The rubbish 
give him a chance to redeem himself. What does that do for the victim? Nothing, and that's what has to count. Thank you, Reptile. And the amount of people attending isn't the problem. It's eyes on TV. We don't get many sold-out games in Australia. Why worry about it in a foreign country? To see if it gives you justification or grounds to go back there, if there's any kind of taste or appetite or market for it. Let's get the news headlines. Great to have your company this Tuesday morning. Jules and for Matty White on Summer Mornings. Uh, quick call. No, we've just dropped that. We just lost that call, have we, Jules? No, we've got him now. Uh, before we get to the superstar of the Sydney Flames, Lauren Nicholson. G'day, Chris. Jules, how are you, mate? Not bad um, for a Tuesday. Just, from, speaking as a, as a Victorian, um, I'd say the vast majority don't realise rugby union actually exists. So outside of a outside of a Bledisloe or a British and Irish Lions, which ends up being all expats and Kiwis at it anyway, you don't most most lay Victorians wouldn't have a clue what union is. They think rugby league they think rugby league is rugby. So there's there's that element of it. But what I would say is that probably the easiest way to sell rugby league to the Americans is to tell them there's only six downs. Once there's six downs you've got to get rid of it. You can't yeah. there's no there's no resets unless it's a penalty. And you either score or you punt it away and, and go again. And it's constant it's constant movement. There's no there's no stoppages between between downs. Comparative language. I think also you've got to sell the similarities, don't you? Yeah, tackles and big hits and you like six downs and you've got to kick the ball away, that kind of thing. I mean there is overlap. I'd be getting Jordan Mulata out there to, to spruik the hell out of the game, you know, being the junior rugby league player and and like David New said, you know that there's a curiosity. There's their sports mad fans. They'll be prepared to dip their toe in the water and say, "Okay, what's this about? Let's have a look." Well, they're in Vegas and they can punt on it as well. But that helps. Mitch, yes. <laughs> you got Mitch Wachowski who just did one of the best punters plays they've seen playing for the Forty ers You've had or well, Sipos is back in Australia now, coaching in the um, AFL system. But he was the punter in a Super Bowl last year. There's been probably half a dozen punters in the last four or five years that are Australian, you Brad Wings and and the like. So um, and Dixon up at um Yeah Seattle. So I don't think there's there's any shortage most of them are Victorians though. Um, there's no shortage though of Australians who can get behind it and, and most of those guys are gonna be happy to, to put their, their face behind something that promotes their home country. It's not a case of well that's that's league, it's not for me. It's most of them just are happy to see something from home. So, yeah, that'd be. Not, I'm. I'm not sure you'd get a lot of AFL types going out of their way to to spruik rugby league. But you're right. You know the punters and I mean they developed that pro kick academy there too, didn't they, Chris? You think about Darren Bennett, who was a pioneer, and Benny Graham, and you know Dixon. You mentioned a handful of others. Yeah, and Sav Rocker. There's another yeah, I, prime if, example. If, well, if you look at the the colleges in the states at the moment, the amount of like Darren Fletcher who played uh, 400 plus games at Essendon. His son's mm. punting in the states. Like the um, oh, Dustin, even wide son's yeah. punting. Um, yeah, Dustin. Sorry, um, just, uh, Eddie McGuire's son's. I think punting at one of the big colleges as well. Mm. Um, so there's no there's no no shortage of it. And I think as um, I think even Eddie may have said it, as along the lines of it may not be your sport, but if it's getting eyeballs on your country, they'll very quickly see um, Aussie rules football when they're searching football Australia. Yeah, um, yeah, and if ever if they can all get a little bit of an uplift out of it, and again, I think it's all going to be the union's detriment because I think with the LA Olympics, they're bringing in flag football, um, which over in the states is growing big. But I think something like Oz um, Tag or um, Touch Footy would be massive in the states again because 
it would get more involved. And once once they get to sort of seven, eight, either if they don't get a game in a in a college environment, a lot of a lot of them stop playing sports outside of basketball uh. and probably softball at eighteen. So getting yeah. him into touch or or as I said, your, your rugby sevens, your AFL nines, whatever it is, if you can get him into something and then drive some tourist dollars, Danny, because they want to come and watch a game, so be it. Yeah, well said. There's there's no harm in thinking big, even if you don't hit the sort of the, the markers and the targets that you'd hope for. There's no harm in trying. You know, throwing at the wall, something might stick. You know, Mason Cox, you saw that 60 minutes expose. He's taken AFL to the States. You know, maybe we have this Team Australia mentality where Aussie rules types say, well, you know what, rugby league and in the USA, it does then turn attention back to the football codes in Australia. Great call, Chris. Thank you. 0457 We'll take a break on the other side of this. We're going to check in with Loz Nicholson, superstar of the Sydney Flames. Morning, Kingy, says Junior Smitty. Look, I'm not a Dragons fan, but the Dragons are going to be the biggest loser, whatever they decide to do. People carry on about it being the wrong decision. This is in relation to Junior Ramon and terms of what they decide to do. If I was the Dragons, I wouldn't rip up his contract. I'd send him down a reserve grade for a year ahead of whatever suspension he gets from the NRL. Thank you, Junior Smithy. Back to your text in a moment on 0457 736 736. We've got a really important game in the WNBL tomorrow night. It is 4v5, the Sydney Flames taking on the Lynx on Wednesday. They are flying at the moment. One player in particular is flying. Very excited that she's on the line. Lauren Loz Nicholson, she's going to be suiting up for game 150. I'm pleased to say she's on the line right now. Morning, Loz. Morning. I tell you what, you have been acknowledged, haven't you, for your incredible play, named WNBL's Player of the Round in Round 6. So that's a badge of honour for you. Well done. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, um, it was really awesome. And I'm really looking forward to the 150 tomorrow night. It just means I've been around quite a long time in the league, but it is a very special, special honour. 150 for you. Did I read that your teammate Tess Magin is, is she up for 250, did I read, Lauren? Yeah, um, last game she got to 250. So she the last game, the last yeah. Yeah, yeah. So tell about this game tomorrow night, 4v5. They got the better of you last time around, but the thing about it is, I mean, you've got some decent momentum coming in this game, but the Lynx actually copped a hiding, didn't they, just from the Boomers? Yeah, they did. Um, they're a really great team. They have some unbelievable uh, imports that are going to be hard to guard, but we did burst them in round one, and... Um, you know, we hadn't really found our feet yet, and I feel like we're playing much better basketball now. So I think it'll be a very different game tomorrow night. But, yeah, I'm looking forward looking forward to the chess and getting one back on them. Momentum's really important in sport, isn't it? And you're now sitting at four and three from seven games, and I think it's important what you said. You hadn't kind of found your feet early on, and I think you're much better place now, particularly after to back-to-back wins. Fifth on the ladder, chance to leapfrog Perth. Yeah, yeah, it'll be a good test for us. I think that we have um, three more games before three, no, four more games before Christmas. So we have a little run of games now against really good teams. So um, if we can snatch a few of these ones, we'll be right back in that top four. And I think that that's um, where we should be, and hopefully we'll be by the time Christmas comes around. And I mentioned player of the round. You're very impressive against the Lightning, and again. Uh, the Capitals, just having a look here, Loz, currently second in the league in scoring at 17.6 points per game, fifth in the league, field goal percentage 46.7. You're a bit of a three-point shooter when you want to be. Uh, I need to know what the practice regime is here. <laughs> oh, look, I think it's um, 
more to do with the off season that you have um, getting a lot of reps up. Um, more in the season, we just do a lot of team training, but I do still try and shoot a lot of threes um, on the side um, just to get the reps in and, uh, yeah, hopefully just knock a couple down in the games. Hopefully. Yeah, fingers crossed. Do you do kind of – you've seen the footage of the great three-point shooter, Steph Curr, and he starts right at the perimeter and then he'll just drop a foot back and a foot further back and a foot further back and he just – he keeps bombing him and bombing him and bombing them. Uh, is there any social media footage doing the rounds of you doing something similar, Lauren? <laughs> no, there's not, but maybe I'll start something like that. I will never um, be half as good as Steph Curry, but um, <laughs> no, maybe I should start something up. I'd love to see it. I'd love it. Let us know. Yeah, we'll promote the hell out here on, on the network. Hey, the Opal squad named overnight for the 2024 Paris Olympic squad. A couple of your teammates in Tess Madgen and Kayla George both named. Uh, a big moment for them. Yeah, massive moment. Um, I, it was a squad of 20 and um, a lot of great talent in Australia. So uh, it was great. Tess, the captain, and um, Kayla George as well. They've been long-time Opals. So it's exciting for them. And it's um, in uh, preparation for Brisbane. Brazil, which is the Olympic qualifier in February. Well, you said there, Tess, you know, you, you said, oh, I've been around for a while, game 150. Tess has got another 100 on you, so hopefully you're going to be around for another 100-plus games as well, Lauren. Yeah, hopefully. I think I've still got a few years of basketball left in me, so hopefully another 100 games at least. Yep, fingers crossed. So your 150th game in the WNBL, that is tomorrow and then you'll play the links uh, Perth from 9.30pm Australian Eastern Daylight Time. If you want to catch it too, it's broadcast live on ESPN via KO Sports. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Go the Flames. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. There she is, Lauren Nicholson. Uh, quite remarkable. Last two rounds. They played the round, round six, averaged 23 points and three rebounds. Second in the league now, scoring 17.6, but 46.7. Field goal percentage. That is a serious, serious number. Get a tradeswoman on your team with MEGT. MEGT, the proud number one ticket holder supporting female tradies and their employers. Go to the website. Visit megt.com.au. Megt.com.au. I want the Tigers. Yeah, we're talking about gifts on the program today. So I want the Tigers to get off the bottom of the ladder so I can put Souths in their rightful place. <laughs> What do you got against... Oh, Rooster, yeah, of course. I should have read who it was from, shouldn't I? Forever in our shadow. Rooster's the only club in the comp since 1908. You're welcome as my Christmas gift, South. Yeah, to be fair, though. I mean, South didn't chuck themselves out, though, Rooster, man. No, Norths are gone. Wests have merged. So Wests are there in some capacity, Rooster, man. Now we're sort of getting into the semantics of it all. Like I had somebody yesterday saying... Because I had said, it's a hill I'll die and the Dragons have the greatest emblem in the competition. Because no, it's only 20 years old. Because the club only formed in 1999. I said, but the logo's older than that. They just whacked the name Illawarra underneath it. The problem, says Brad, the NRL will have breaking into the American market is the time zone problem. It's literally the middle of the night there when our games are on. The NFL works here because the games are on in our mid-early morning, says Brad from Eaton's here. Well, they, I mean, this is an experiment at the moment where it's time-friendly for both of them. And the NBA works really well here in Australia because you get them on sort of early morning and midday. Crime said, tell Junior that it can only sign with the PNG franchise if it gets a license that he must live in Port Moresby, says Crime Scene. Yeah, I'm not sure they're all going to live in Port Moresby anytime soon. They'd have to base themselves in Cairns. You reckon they'll pack out Vegas? I'm not so sold on that. So the Raiders boss said, don't worry, Vegas, they tend to be late ticket buyers. They walk up to the gate on the day, buy their tickets then. 
So the latest report sold nearly 20,000. Nearly 20,000. And the goal is 40,000. Capacity of Allegiant Stadium, 65. So if they can get it about two-thirds full, they'll take that as a win. And, you know, empty stadiums look bad on television. We know that. Although this, it's not just about those that show up on the day. But we've been running a Twitter poll on the program this morning, at Matty White SEN. If they only get twenty to 25,000, is that considered a success or a failure, given their target was 40? Maybe they aimed higher than they should have. I don't know. It's hard to get a gauge because it's never been done before. But I urge you to go back, once we've got the podcast up, have a listen to my chat with David New, who's one of the pioneers of rugby league in the USA, former Dragons player. He's been there for 30 years now, Newey. A lot of organic growth, and you get some players that, for whatever reason, you know, don't make it big in the sport of NFL. It can interest them in some kind of crossover. 0457 736 736. In fact, you can listen to it now, so that is up online. Just go to sen.com.au. Jill's got to agree with you, reversing... Terrible. Other pet hate. Well, the letter H is pronounced H and not H. Get it right. Thank you, Matt. You and I are cut from a similar cloth. Versing. Terrible. I've discussed this a thousand times. I'm pretty sure the word versing's in the dictionary now, Matt. And it is lost. Well, I'm, look, listen. Can you take the di- dictionary? used to be kind of the, the bastion of high English, didn't it? I'm not sure it is anymore, considering the term basball. Is in, I think, is it the Collins or the Oxford? Jamie on the on the tools will know. He probably wrote in demanding that they include it. But yeah, versing, I'm pretty sure versing, because in order to get a word in the dictionary, I think it's basically just going to be in common usage for a year or two and cited in a number of articles. And that's it. That's all it takes. So you can literally make up a word, get people to say it, and then it becomes a word. But versing. So my, my young son, Noah, who's eight, Dad, Dad, who are Man United versing next week? I said, no, no, so who are they playing, I think is what you meant to say. Yeah, that's what I said. Who are they versing? I said, no, versing. It's not a, it's not a poetry slam, son. And H, not H. I think that, that's the old sort of... I could be wrong here, Matt, but the HVH is like a Catholic school divide, I thought, from memory. JK, Roosters, the only team of the comps since 1908. Still haven't won as many comps as the Bunny, says John from Harrington Park. Shots fired, Johnny. I like that a lot. Yeah, how many of the Bunnies won now? 21, I think it is. Dragons, 16, although they say no, Dragons, 15, and St. Julie Laura, 1, but let's just call it 16. And the Roosters nipping at the heels, I think Roosters might have 15. Yeah, 15. It's funny, I didn't even finish that until I had Tommy Gets My Ear. He's keeping count. He's got the worst Roosters tattoo in the history of mankind. And I think he's actually, you know when the prisoners sort of mark the 1, 2, 3, 4, 4, how many years they've been inside the cell? They mark that on their walls. 2 a.m. Tommy's etching all the Roosters premierships on his leg. And he's very quick to say, too, the Bunnies have only won one premiership in the colour TV era. Doesn't matter. Premierships are premierships. It's not as though the game now is more important and more relevant than it was 50 years ago. And I'm saying that because I'm a Dragons fan and 11 of our 16 have come in an 11-year block. Never before, never again. 0457 736 736. Dan, I don't mind this. Talking about gifts on the program today off the back of Tim David gifting some gold chains to his Hobart Hurricanes teammates. I'd give Hindy and Jason Taylor the 2001 Grand Final. Are you a Parramatta fan, Dan? I'm curious. I reckon our Knights fans would have a bit to say about that. Good mate of mine, Mick, who was a mad, mad Eels fan. Uh, he'd never been more certain of Grand Final victory in his life. And he had a massive, massive punt on the Eels. They came back second half, but it was all done and dusted in the first half. Joey was magnificent. 
Benny Kennedy was magnificent. Anyway, uh, yes, Paul Hindy, without a premiership. Breaking back with more. Welcome back to the final hour of the program on SEN 1170 AM in Sydney, SEN Q 693 in Brisbane, 1620 on the Gold Coast and via the SEN app. Julian King with you on SEN Summer Mornings. Great to have your company this Tuesday. We'll catch up with Simon Hill from the Global Game very, very shortly. Look, Simon's a well-spoken man, proud Mancunian, fan of Manchester City. I'll get his thoughts on the term versing, whether he's as horrified as me and indeed some of the listeners. I did a mad dash to the kitchen during the break. Maybe it's the heat talking... Oh, you know, I've been an unabashed Mango fan. Thank you, crime scene, for those Kensington prides you sent in to myself and to Coach K. I might have watermelon on par with Mango for the best summer fruit. Might have a different response next week. But just a nice, really cold, firm, sweet watermelon. I think it's right up there with a cold mango. These are first world problems to deciding which is the best summer fruit. 0457 736 736. Don't forget the Twitter poll's still running. Neck and neck, I've got to say. So the... NRL are targeting a crowd of about 40,000 Allegiant Stadium for round zero, the Vegas doubleheader. If you only get 20 or 25, would you still consider that a success? And it's not all about people at the game, I understand that. But would you still deem the experiment a success? Just before we get to you, Shane, on the open line, this is really interesting. Uh, In England cricket, England were taken aback by fast bowler Joffre Archer's return from injury in a Barbados club match last week. With Team Chief Rob Key saying on Monday he was unaware of his involvement. Have a listen. An elbow injury is a complicated place to have an injury. So we just want to take this as slow as possible. Um, you know, Joffre was, you know, was keen to go into the IPL auction, but we just feel like actually the best way to do this now is for you to just, for us to be in control of it. And we can then just bring you back and we can, you know, hopefully because... If it takes an extra couple of months, but he gets another couple of years out of his career, a bit more longevity, and he gets back fully, I think he's worth his weight in gold, Joffre. Did he not play club cricket yesterday? I don't know if he played club cricket yesterday. I believe he played. He may well have done. Who knows? Right. You're in the know, George. Well, no, I'm asking, well, it seems unusual that you wouldn't know. I mean, he he started a three-day game for Foundation yesterday in Barbados. Were Were you not aware of that? Okay. No, I'm not aware of that. I'll find out. I'll find out. Rob Key, former England cricketer, now the managing director of the England team, didn't know that Joffre, who has to be carefully managed back from injury, was playing a game. Before we get to you, Shane, let's drag in uh, Jamie, who's on the tools, who's uh, all across the intimacies of England cricket. Jamie, can you just set a bit of light on this, give us a bit of context? Is this a case of Joffre Archer, centrally contracted player, no less, going rogue on the ECB? Yeah, well, I think it is. I think the fact that Rob Key said he didn't know about it shows that it is Joffre going rogue. Uh, He played for Foundation, who play in the second tier of the Barbados club structure, which is his old school team. So he's playing with mostly schoolboys against uh, an adult men's side. Um, And they're fighting off relegation in Barbados. And there's a new rule, which means that school teams can't play in the top two tiers. So basically, they were desperate to have Joffre play for them. And he, he played and took four for 18. Uh, I saw a little <laughs> video on Twitter of him absolutely cartwheeling a stump out the ground. That can't be fair. Uh, He's got to be uh, overqualified. Yeah. Or, or at least you know, hand out a stipulation that it can only come off two steps or something. Well, then he bowled a bit of left arm spin after that. So I think he started oh, the right. pace and then bowled a bit of spin. But um, yeah, so obviously Rob Key didn't know about it. And of all the players who you you, you think um, shouldn't be doing that, I mean, Rob <laughs> Key just said then that he's... He doesn't want them to join the IPL and, you know, he's been given a two-year central contract and then he's off playing club cricket. 
Oh, it was very, very funny. Yes, yes. Oh, uh, real Koori knockout areas uh, right there. Thank you, Jamie. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Before we get to Simon Hill, g'day, Shane. Yeah, Jules, there you go, mate. Um, All right, mate. Look, uh, uh, any crowd at Legion over 20,000 is a success, even more if it's going to be beamed into on Foxtel in the sports bars all over America. But to, to say they're growing the game in America, it's fanciful. And Volandis has always said from day one, it's about the gambling dollar. The yep. big test will be in 12 months, where if you go to Vegas, Stephanie Caesars Palace have these massive big screens. We have everything going from NFL, NHL, basketball, baseball, to Burmese soccer toward Norwegian Swede pulling. The Yanks bet on everything. They yep. love it. They, they're just as bad as us. If they've got a tiny corner of this with NRL games going and people are betting on it, that's all that matters. It's not about growing the game because it'll never get a foot in. You'll have, as Newey said, you've got your comps down in Florida on the West Coast, which meet at the end of the year. It's only just started this year in the Super Bowl. And you've got, and that is right, there's 90% of them that are American playing. But it's all about the gambling dollar. And if they can get 1% of that, that's what the success will be judged on. Not about growing the game in America or anything like that. That's all they want. They get, they get that revenue stream, that's yep. the bonus out of it. You're right. It, it's not the main game. You're absolutely right. Bums on seats. And further to that, uh, Shane, not just that, but if you can get some kind of short to medium term broadcast deal, well, that's another river of gold. You're right. And Americans, they love their sports gambling and they're starting to loosen the laws. And Volandi saw that as an opening that needed to be taken. And you're right. It's not dissimilar to us here. They talk about Australians and that gamble on two flies up a wall. You don't have to get a lot. You just got to get enough to make it economically viable. Yeah, you, you get a small percentage of that gambling market, which dwarfs ours. It is huge. The revenue streams come from that, and that's all it's about. I mean, we'll have our Mickey Mouse little competitions over there, whatever. But, mate, it's all about the gambling dollar. And people have got to understand this. I know it's fanciful to say, oh, we've got so many Aussies that are kickers and Victorians. The Yanks don't care about that. They want to bet on a result, and that's all that matters. Yeah, oh, and that's his area of specialty, isn't it? But just with regards to Australian promotion, you know, the upside of that too, Shane, is you just get enough people who wouldn't have known about it otherwise to go, okay, what's this rugby league thing? And then have a punt on it. You know, if you get an extra how many thousand, that, that's why I think, you know, you saw the footage of Aaron Woods and Spencer Lenu and Billy Walters. I mean, at half time, there's two million people watching that game. Now, whatever oh, yeah, percentage yeah, of those go, you know what, I'm curious about this. I might flick on the television. I might have a little punt on this. This looks kind of interesting. Then, then you've it's worthwhile as an exploit. Mm. Yeah, well, Valandi's on the right track. I mean, he's terribly wrong with this expansion, but on this, he's 100% on the right track. You know? And this could be huge, the money it'll bring into the country. You know? But expansion, geez, he's going down the wrong track with that one, that's for sure. Conversation for another day. Good to get your thoughts, Shane. Thank you. Come on. Cheers. Back to your calls in a moment on 1300 01 1170. Time to catch up with our great friend Simon Hill, host of the Global Game. It is appointment radio for lovers of football tonight from 8 o'clock on 1170 and across the SEN network is on the line right now. Morning, Simon. Morning, Julian. How are you? Very well. I've had a few people on the text line saying that they're fighting a losing battle against this word versing. So my son says, Dad, who who are Man United (laughs) versing? This weekend, oh. and I said it's it's an uphill battle. I don't know whether it's time yet to to wave the white flag, though. Oh, don't get me started on this. <laughs> Versing. When did that become a thing? What oh, are they? The poets? Come on. Yes, it's it's not a poetry <laughs> slam, is it? I agree. 
I agree. Well, <laughs> Saturday night, let's start with MacArthur FC, who versed Sydney FC. Uh, Milos Diofsky's <laughs> done a wonderful job there, undefeated top of the table at the moment. But I saw your tweet up. I had discussions with our colleagues, Adam Kwasnick and Alex Brosk, about that this red card to Andrew Redmayne. Are you as in the dark as I am when it comes to the handball rule at the moment, Simon? I think everybody is, to be honest. Um, you know, I... <laughs> Having seen the freeze frame that they used to make the decision, I can see why they made it. But I think, in, you know, the game is not played in, in freeze frame. It's played in real time. Um, it's, it's harsh. I, again, I understand why they gave it. The bigger question for me is why Redders, and I love him to bits, but why he was out that far in the first place. Mm. And it's, it's not the first time he's done that this season. Maybe he's under instruction to come out and play sweeper-keeper because they're playing a, a more a high line defensively. I don't know. But uh, certainly it changed the game. Um, that's not to say MacArthur wouldn't have won anyway, because they're in good nick at the moment. Um, and there was certainly good value for the three points after that, even though Sydney made a decent fist of it with 10 men. Um, but, yeah, you know, if, if VAR is not there, and goodness me, don't get me on this soapbox, because I'll be here all day. If VAR is not there, we go with the referee's on-field decision, which was play on. Um, and I'd have been happy with that. But, yeah. you know, it's a different era. It's the era of versing. It's the era of VAR. <laughs> um, old people like you and I, Julian, have difficulty coming to grips with those concepts. But, uh, you know, we've we just got to live with it, unfortunately. I, I would love to see or hear, and I've said this many times, uh, the audio of the conversations. I think that would make things a bit clearer for people at home. Um, they have it in other sports. It's not the fault of the A-League or the APL. It's IFAB who are the game's decision makers and by extension FIFA who just simply refuse to allow that. Uh, but the sooner we have that, if we have to have VAR, then I would like to see the pictures and the audio that accompanies the decision-making process. And then mm. even if we don't agree with the decision, at least we understand how they've arrived at it. But uh, it appears it'll be a cold day in hell before that happens, sadly. Sadly, MacArthur FC, Melbourne victory now. The only two sides yet to lose a match this season. This was a thrilling game at Combank Stadium Sunday. Uh, Melbourne victory, Western yeah. Sydney, Wanderers, Wanderers with a comeback. But all the talk now, Simon, Bruno Fornaroli, 11 goals from seven games. It has to be back on Arnie's radar. Yeah, he's on fire at the moment, and... Um, I, I said on Twitter after the game that, uh, you know, I was one of those people. You, you looked at him last season, and to be fair, he played in the struggling side for victory. But it looked as though, you know, father time was starting to catch up with him a little bit. He's 36 now. Um, but fair play to him. He must have had a heck of a preseason because he looks fit. He's very sharp. We, we always know he's been a, a natural goal scorer down the years. But it seemed as though those powers were on the wane. And uh, it's, it's to Bruno's credit that he's refused to accept that. And uh, 11 goals in seven games, goodness me. Yeah. If you're Graham Arnold, you've got to be at, at the very least looking at him. I guess the question for Arnie is, you know, is, is the priority to go and win this tournament? Or does he have to have one eye on the World Cup in 2026? And with the greatest, uh, greatest respect to Bruno, he'll be you know, pushing 38, 39 by the time that yeah. World Cup comes around. And uh, he's probably not going to be in contention. So does he go with a younger player like Kosidi Yangi, uh, who's in good form for Portsmouth overseas? He's got other options. Jamie McLaren, 
Uh, Mitch Duke will, will almost certainly be there. Matt Leckie can play as a nine. But I think Bruno, at the very least, has got to be a part of the conversation. And uh, if he does miss out, he's probably uh, going to consider himself... He's in. Are you there, Simon? Yep, still here. Oh, we got you. Okay, great. Uh, yeah, I, I want to get your thoughts on a few other things in and around the Socceroos. But uh, just before that, uh, it's Newcastle, Jess, Wellington, Phoenix, 3-0. This was a, a surprise result. And, you know, they are surprising a few this season, the Jets. Well, to be fair, they had a poor run going into this game. Um, so this was a little bit of a turn-off for the books, but uh, they were terrific. Um, they had to withstand a fair bit of pressure in the second half. Um, Wellington put them under the pump, but by then they'd established uh, uh, you know, two-goal cushions, so they defended very well. Uh, Rob Stanton started to get his message across. Uh, the, the one thing I like about the Jets this season, perhaps in comparison to previous campaigns, is that they appear to be a team that's got goals in them. Apostolos Stamatolopoulos, who has the greatest name in uh, the A-League at the moment, is, is uh, having a great season. Uh, he's scored a fair few, scored again at the weekend. Um, and for once, that defence held firm. So, you know, good signs for Newcastle. Uh, and for Wellington, I don't think there's too much to be concerned about um, you can lose games, uh, but if the performance is okay, then I think you can say, well, we just had a bad, a bad day at the office. And I, th- I think that was the case for Wellington. Uh, maybe less so for one or two other teams, particularly Western United, who got thumped by the Mariners on Friday mm. and were terrible. Yeah, well, it's a tale of two Aloises in the coaching ranks at the moment, isn't it, Simon? Yeah, it is. You know, Johnny is on struggle street at the moment, six consecutive losses. Um, as I say, they, they were awful against the Mariners on Friday. Not, not just the result, but the manner of the performance. Three goals conceded from corners. Defending from set pieces is, is uh, you know, one of the basics of the game, and they just didn't do that. Equally, in the opposition box, they barely created an opportunity. So he's got a lot to sort out, Johnny. And, uh, of course, he faces his brother this weekend, Ross, um, as Western take on Brisbane uh, at Amy Park on Friday. And Ross is at the opposite end of the spectrum. They got a great win, 2-0 away to Adelaide. Um, again, plenty of goals in that side. They, they, they've been strong defensively over the last couple of seasons anyway. Um, so you'd make Brisbane the favourites for that one. And, uh, you know, maybe we're seeing the revival of the Raw, which would be terrific yeah. because they've been in the doldrums for so many years, really. Yeah, and, and just one more word on that Raw Adelaide game. We would have seen the footage of Nestri Irakunda on the sideline in tears, and I just, you know, mm. so highly touted this young man and that much-vaunted move to Bayern Munich. I, I just hope that we don't put too much pressure on him, forgetting that he's still just a tender teenager. Well, that's true, but, uh, you, you know, it, unfortunately that comes with, with having great talents. It's, it's not necessarily the nice nicest part of the game but you're going to get that scrutiny because he is so good potentially uh, now he didn't play particularly well neither did Adelaide as a team to be fair against Brisbane um, but you know he's, got, he's about to head off to Europe where the pressure is going to be tenfold to what he uh, you know experiences here so unfortunately he's going to have to wait, find a way to deal with that um, you know I, I hope that his management team, and I'm talking about his personal management team here, you know, send people over to Germany to be with him because he's going to be in a strange country where they speak a different language. It's going to be minus 10 in winter. He's going to adapt to different food, different teammates, and a club where the expectation is that you go out and perform every single week. So, 
you know, th- these are hard lessons for Nestori to learn, but um, he is only 17. And, and I agree that there's a lot of pressure on him, but, you know, look at, look at Wayne Rooney at the same age. Um, yeah. you know, he was 16 when he burst through at Everton and had the whole of the UK, basically, or certainly the whole of England, uh, looking at his every move. And he was mentally strong enough to come through that. So I hope Nestori is the same because he's a brilliant talent. He is. Back to the Socceroos news. Uh, devastating news for the Socceroos, of course. Captain and first-choice goalkeeper Matt Ryan. Simon, suffering a fractured cheekbone. Where does that leave Arnie in the goalkeeping ranks at the moment? Yeah, it's a worry, isn't it? Because not only is he the first-choice keeper, but, of course, he's also the Socceroos captain and uh, one of their most experienced players. So... Look, he's, he's got 30, I think 32 days before the tournament starts. Um, hopefully, he's a quick healer. Um, he could, of course, play with a mask. And a lot of players do that when they suffer this type of injury, when they're on the road to recovery, just to protect it. But as a goalkeeper, does that impair your vision? Um, you know, your, your face and your upper body in, in football, our code of football, when you're a goalkeeper, gets more punishment than the lower part of the body, which is the case for, for outfield players. So it, it would be a big risk for him to play uh, in a mask. But maybe that's what he'll do. Um, mm. it, it's a worry for Graham Arnold. Does he uh, look to Joe Gauch, who's nominally his deputy at the moment, to say, OK, this is your tournament. Uh, we're going to give you a run. Does he get on the phone to Mitch Langerak? Mitch Langerak, yeah. He's playing so well, or has played so well for Nagoya Grampus over a number of years, but has decided to step away from the national team and try and, you know, mend those fences. It, it, and, he's, you know, it's not just the goalkeeper. He's got injuries in key positions. Um, Brandon Borello is out of the tournaments. Uh, because of injury. Uh, Garen Quallum, I, I don't think he's is quite right at the moment. There are others. Cammy Devlin's got an ankle injury. Nathaniel Atkinson is on the recovery road. Ryan Strain's just had an operation. So he's, he's got a few selection concerns as uh, Arnie, head of the Asian Cup. Yeah, first uh, group game, Qatar, India, January 13. Then they've got Syria, January 18, and Uzbekistan five days after that. Just before we let you go, Simon, a quick word on Ange. An important win, too, for Tottenham. Uh, 4-1, comprehensive mm-hmm. over Newcastle. Uh, but to his credit, he did acknowledge that Newcastle, like Spurs themselves, uh, have had a few injury concerns. Yeah, that's true. But uh, they needed that, Spurs. They'd been on that uh, horrible run. I think it was, was it five without a win, of, of which they'd, mm. they'd lost four. Um, and it started to sort of fall away a bit. So it's a welcome return to form and and probably just takes the heat off Ange a little bit, which was starting to build. That's always the case in the Premier League with big clubs. Um, And Newcastle, I mean, that's a poor performance from them, even given the injuries. But uh, this is what happens when, you know, unfortunately you're playing not just domestic football, but you're playing in the, the big European competitions as well, which Newcastle are. Uh, in the Champions League, you, you know you, the te- the depth of your squad is tested, and if you pick up a few injuries, um, are your replacements as good as the players you're replacing? And at the moment with Newcastle, you'd you'd have to say no. Well, they're only three points behind your beloved Man City, and of course the man who he openly said he's just trying to copy in Pep Guardiola. We'll let you go. Thank you so much, Simon. We're looking forward to all your work tonight in the Global Game alongside Alex Brosk. And you can guarantee you won't hear the word versing.
Yeah, let's never speak of it again. There he is, Simon Hill, host of The Global Game. We catch up with him each and every Tuesday on the program, 0457 736 736. Your text after the break. JK says, JS, when did versing become a verb? I have no idea, but it's disgraceful. Absolutely disgraceful. I can't stand versing. I don't even think it's a word. Where did it come from? I understand if you were to say who is playing Saturday and I was to say Manly versus Parramatta, but versing is annoying. It is like listening to nails on a chalkboard. Thank you, Eagle Dick. I'm with you. And this one from Martin. Sadly, I think the H is out of control. Yes, it always was the Catholic school argument, but it seems to be wider than that. A linguistic expert said that no letter of the alphabet pronounces its sound, so the H sound shouldn't be expressed. H, not H. That's my rant. Don't get me started on versing. Go the Dragons. Thank you, Martin. Uh, presumably with, with consonants. I like this from you, Bondi Jack. Good morning to you. Why would the Chooks not have shown some initiative and designed a star-spangled USA Navy blue Seppo version of the famous tricolours jumper with white stars and red stripes and promoting the hell out of it with Fletch, uh, Spencer and others? Good idea. Maybe an opportunity missed. Should write a letter to Nick. Speaking of, I like... JWH and Danny Tupper to get their fourth premiership rings. Regards, Uncle LOL, LOL. They've got enough. They've got enough. I'd like Ben Hunt to get one premiership ring, but it'll have to be in 2024. Can't see that happening, rather sadly. Uh, could you add that the current Roosters emblem is a direct copy of the French rugby emblem from half a century ago? Aren't all the, the club anthems just rip-offs of those tunes as well? Morning, Jules. Re-premiership wins. The old bunnies, pre-them getting punted, won a few. The new bunnies have only won one since, well, one in 2014. The Roosters' only continuous foundation club since 2008, smashing the new bunnies with 15s. Is Dasher from Matraville. It's, there's no love lost, is there, between the Souths fans and the Roosters fans. And every time they eye off the other one's success, they try to downplay it or have some sort of caveat. Can't we just all get along? 0457 uh, And a quick one before the news. Jules, do you anticipate any surprise selections for our Australian Test 11 on Thursday? I don't say this often. I think Jordan Buckingham is a future Test star. This guy could be something special. He has an action similar to Jason Gillespie. Always presents that seat perfectly, giving himself the best chance of taking wickets on any surface in any conditions, like he did on the flat track at Marnica. Yeah, he got the Michelle, didn't he? The five wickets, and he was impressive. And he only got picked in that PM's 11 game too, Simon, because Michael Nisa withdrew due to soreness. And Barat Sundaresan, our dear friend, the net whisperer, who you're going to hear on commentary this summer, Barat lives in Adelaide. I've been watching him closely and actually said he could be a, a future Australian player. Very intelligent bowler. Knows how to extract the most out of the wicket. we got some big news in the world of netball. Kelly Ryan, the CEO, has resigned effective immediately. She led the code during this big, bitter pay dispute. Kelly Ryan, the CEO of Netball Australia, has resigned. Let's get the news headlines. Just recapping that news, Kelly Ryan, CEO of Netball Australia, who led the code during its biggest pay dispute in history, has resigned effective immediately. She said in a statement that the time was right to move on, having reached an in-principle agreement on the CPA pay deal and watched with pride as our Diamonds won the Commonwealth Games and the Netball World Cup. The timing felt right to hand over the reins to a new leader. She had to go. She had to go. And this pay dispute was dragged out for a year to the point where players weren't paid for eight weeks. They were threatened with legal action if they didn't go to the Liz Ellis medal night, thus creating a further rift between the players and the governing body. And all they were asking for was a percentage of over-forecast sponsorship revenue. That was it. We've seen this play out with the cricket MOU. 
not particularly greedy from the plays. It should have been put to bed far, far sooner. He's lost a bit of skin, but she's gone now. Kelly Ryan, CEO of Netball Australia, has resigned. Jamie, who claims to speak the Queen's English, he hates the word versing, doesn't like H as well, although does can see that some Irish people are Northerners say H. And I said, well, hang on, you, you guys, but you Aussies say maroon instead of maroon. I reckon that's 50-50, Jamie, but further to that, further to that, you say vitamins and yoghurt. Yeah. Where it's clearly vitamins and yoghurt. No, vitamins just remember, is the uh, Excuse me, just remember what country you're in, buddy. Just remember <laughs> what country you're in. And while we're at it, one more thing on this. One bugs me, agreeance. When did this word creep into the vernacular? It's agreement. I'm in agreement with you, not in agreeance with you. And learnings. It's like corporate claptrap. It's lessons. What are the lessons you take out of this? You don't take learnings out of things. You take lessons out of things. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. Reptile. All roosts of roosters fans are jealous, 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 jealous of the rabbitos. Twenty one baby. Leave it at that. Can't argue with the numbers. The open line we go. Hello, James. Hi, Jules. Yeah, we, well, let's get off these um, young ones talk coming up with all these new English words. It's, um, yeah, you'd be there all day and never get through them. Anyway, True. regarding the, le- the league games in Vegas, you wanted to know what bears success. You're talking about attendance there. What if you get, say, 20,000 turn up, but they get a million watching it? Is that a success then? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's not just about how many vote with their feet or how many bums on seats they get. As I said, you don't have to yeah, get a lot. Yeah. You've just got to get enough. It's, it's television. It's those punting on the game. It's, it's if you can sell it to a TV network there as well. It's all money in the NRL coffers. Yeah. I mean, all, all they can, if they don't get that many, do it like what the basketball did when they started up. Just put everyone on one side and the camera's just on one, the other side. Then it looks like it's back. <laughs> like World Series cricket early days, James. They said just, yeah, just focus on where the crowds are. Don't show the, the blank empty spaces and that. Well, no. well, they might still have some of their COVID pop-up cutouts so you can stick up there and fill it oh, up. Oh, I remember way. those. Remember those. And the sound yeah. effects with no one in the crowd. You could buy a seat, couldn't you? Uh, yeah. And, and, the, and the people started to you know, put Homer Simpson and, and cartoon characters and the rest in there too, I recall. Uh, but I actually liked it when they didn't have the sounds and you could actually hear the players and you can hear what was actually happening on the field. That was a lot better. But, oh, yeah, did you like that, did you? I just of, yeah. yeah, I liked it. While you're there, um, can you tell me, like I prefer to watch the footy on Foxtel, I think it's better, but Mrs. Likes 9, and it is, she's right, the crowd noise on Foxtel is a lot louder than it is on 9. Right. Why is that? And can you get Foxtel to like turn the crowd noise down a bit? They would have control over the noise if it's if it's manufactured, yes, because they're all just three microphones, right, James? So yes, they can can control yeah. the crowd noise level. For I the think, yeah, just you know, anyone else doesn't believe me, have a listen. Next time the footy's on, switch from nine to Foxtel, and you'll notice the difference in the crowd noise. You don't like it? Oh, it gets too much, you know. They're common day or whatever, and that, and you go, oh yeah, what's happening? And all you hear in the Mm. And screaming, you're going, what's they saying? They drowned it out. Nah. Yeah. First like world problems, James. First world yeah. problems. I don't like I... the noise on a pay TV subscription service. Nah. Nah, I don't Very need good. to know that. I like to hear them when they hit, so you can hear the hit and the sound of them hitting. That makes it sound better. Yeah, I've always found you as a saddest, James. Very much so. Good on you, mate. Uh... Got to go. <laughs> bye, mate. Bye, bye. <laughs> 
0457 736 736. Lee says, uh, Jules, in the USA, when you're playing a sport as a kid, you're encouraged to play multiple sports in school and in local competitions, e.g. baseball, football, in a year, seeing a sport from another country will excite young kids. Uh, maybe. At the end of the day, Lee, you never know if you don't try. Rooster Man says, Shane, they don't like betting. They don't, sorry, the Americans don't bet like Aussies. Seriously, they're amateurs in punting. Oh, no, I can't agree, Rooster Man. They go big. They go very, very big. Just look at Phil Mickelson. Granted, he had a bit of cash to throw around. Who cares if people use the word versing? Language is like a river that flows. Words have always changed throughout human history. Get over it. Thank you, Tony. I just don't like it. I think it sounds ugly. But you're absolutely right. Language is like a river that flows. Words have always changed throughout human history. That's rather beautiful, Tony. Eloquent, as always. Uh, don't care if the NRL gets less than 25,000. At least league has a presence in Vegas, unlike the Global Game Union. Well, when we refer to the global, global Game, on this network anyway, we're talking about soccer football. Kingy, my pet hate is people that support more than one team. As a Bulldogs fan, I hate every other team some more than others. You can respect teams and players, for example, the Panthers, with how dominant they have been in the style they play. So you don't agree with the second team notion? Yeah, I think a lot of people have second teams. Maybe because of who their parents supported or where they grew up. I don't know. I've got no issue with the second team. Jules, why were the four representatives of the NRL yesterday not wearing their club colours? All top eight from this year to miss the eight. Berkeley Eagle. Hang on, let me make sense of that. All top eight from this year to... So, Roosters, top eight. Broncos, top eight. Rabbitohs missed the eight. And Manly missed the eight. So you're saying, why were they not wearing the club colours? Well, they're at a, a Raiders home game, so they're there to sort of cross-promote, aren't they? Uh, they'll be in their colours soon enough. I dislike Souths that much. I prefer to see your Dragons win the comp, says Green Keeping Rooster. With that, I can agree. We'll take a break. We've got to hear from 2AM Tommy after this. Jules in for Matty White, Tuesday morning. Timmy says, hi, Jules. Hopefully I can sneak this text in before you clock off with regards to what the other bloke said about hating people who like more than one team. I must be one of them. I'm a Warriors fan, but I like the Bulldogs, and I have a soft spot for the Tigers as I'm from Ashfield. And the Rabbitohs and Panthers, the Lamb as well, due to James Fisher-Harris, and uh, I can't read what you're saying here, being a Kiwi boy. Uh, is this unacceptable behaviour, or are the others out there? Are there others out there that like numerous teams too, Timmy? I think there's plenty out there that have their favourite but have a soft spot for the others. For the first and last time today, let's throw the money on the table. 2am, Tommy, you're looking magnificent. You've lost a bit of weight after your little technical <laughs> yawn session yesterday. Morning, Jules, Jamie, all the listeners out there. Yeah, I had a little bug in me. I don't know what it was, but Oof. that's thanks to Alex for, for covering me yesterday. Yeah, a little bit. It's but the no. worst feeling in the world, isn't it? You yeah. just feel like you're going to die. Yeah, I don't know Horrible. what it was. don't know what it was. Um, sporting gifts. Um, you asked. For oh, I can see a rooster's rabbitos thing happening here, Carl. Yeah, Carole. maybe a, a bit, bit of, of stash on the text Yeah, just maybe a little bit of toothpaste and toothbrush for our um, bunny supporters <laughs> out there if they've still yeah, got some teeth left. Uh, okay. I just had. It's just an it's, eat, it's low hanging that, fruit there, Jules. It is low hanging fruit. Yeah, is that all you got? No, no, no I've, <laughs> I've still got a bit more. Um, and <laughs> you've I, got a list of I how much? So we're going to cut in a Jimmy show just so you can get through your list. Um, I thought it was a great chat you did this morning with David New. Um, fantastic yep. to get his insight over about the rise of the rugby league there over in the States, if it's going to have an impact. I really like the point he said about how um, when it's played in the States, 90% of it is from local players. And he made a good point mm. being like, well, there's not, uh, there are established leagues over there, but it's not 
financially viable. Like if you're an Australian, a New Zealand or an English player, it's not really, you can't really make a career playing rugby league in the States. So the competition is more majority than um, uh, local players, which is, which is great to see. I, I do agree with you about, I wasn't like annoyed with the, with the commentators saying rugby, 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 but it, it was, it did rub me the way a little bit. I know they weren't doing it on purpose, but when you just use rugby, People just think of rugby union and they think of the rugby world cup that just happened. So we need to, I understand that visibility is great that we're getting the sport out there, but when you're dealing, in my opinion, with a demographic and a market who can't discern between the two, I think you need to make it clear the differences between the two sports and say, Hey, no, we're not rugby union. We're rugby league. Maybe just drop the rugby and just say we're Mm. league. I don't know. It's correct. I know it's hard, but I think it's, it's small, but I think it's important. I agree. I agree. It's your game, your product, and it's necessary to make that distinction, however small or insignificant it may seem to the majority of people. Or refer to it as the NRL, as one texter said. You know, because they're so we yeah. now in this day and age call sports by the code's name rather than the actual sports name. Yeah, refer. Yeah, I agree. Refer to the uh, the sports name. Um, NRL football. Yeah. Yeah, you've been speaking about the English language this morning yeah. a fair bit. I hate the word. Um, I used to say it a bit when I was young, and I didn't know it was a word. Um, when people say "worser," oh, that team's worse yeah, than that's that horrible. team. Well, that player's worse yeah. than that other player. The Dragons are worse than the Roosters. Dragons are worse than sixteen other teams in the NRL. You would be correct, mm. but mm. it would be incorrect grammar. Worse than you're not worser. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, um, it's like people say more stronger. No, it's either more strong or stronger. Yeah, exactly. Hey, one more thing before I go. Now. Yep. There was some news this morning over the weekend that broke. I know you spoke about it on the weekend and touched a bit on it yesterday. Um, Shohei Atani's deal with the LA Dodgers. Now we all saw the seven hundred million dollars over ten years, and that kind of grabbed the headlines, grabbed the news, and everyone was reacting crazily to it, and for good reason. But however, there's a little caveat to, to this, Jules, and I'll just quickly run through some of the points. It actually, the contract, if you go through the details, and this has been made apparent through some of the reporting of the last 12 hours, he's only going to be paid $2 million a year for the next 10 seasons with $680 million deferred until the end of his deal. So he's only going to be paid by the Dodgers $2 million per year for the next 10 years. Now, this is because of uh, something called the CBT, which is the Competitive Balance Tax um, it's a hit on the contract. It's going to be around $46 million. So it's a, it's a, a hit that the Dodgers are going to take. And Otani and his management were the people that put this little caveat into his deal. It essentially means, hey, you don't have to pay me this much now. So you can go out and sign more players that you can surround the Dodgers team with. So we got a better chance for success right now. Yeah. So all they're saying is we're saving all this cash. And in 10 years' time, when my deal's done, you're just going to give me one big lump sum. <laughs> I'm seeing shades of Desert the Dogs in these back-ended contracts here. Exactly. It's a nice little nest egg, isn't it? It'll be yeah. 40 by the time the contract expires. You know what, guys? Thank you. It's been great. Just uh, if you wouldn't mind signing over the $680 million check, and I'll be on my merry way. Yeah, so uh, a source told um, MajorLeagueBaseball.com the deferrals are primarily allowing the team to be successful on the field because above all else, Otani wants to win. Now, because he's also allowing this um, allowing this money to be deferred because his off-field earnings are going to be significant, so he's going to be able to be compensated throughout yeah. that 10 years, um, yeah. even though he's getting paid $2 million US um, by the Dodgers. But still, 
he's going to defer 680 million US dollars until the end of his deal, which is in 10 years' time. He'll just get one big lump sum from the Dodgers. Astonishing, isn't it? So for all those people complaining about Olakautu getting, what, 7.2 mil over eight years, um, hello. Another bloke, surname starting with O, significantly more Pretty good. that. Isn't that funny? Thank you, Tommy. Almost out of time here on the program this Tuesday afternoon. Jimmy Smith coming up after midday, after 11 o'clock in Queensland. Daniel Garb, Jaleesa Apps, his special guests in the run home with Joel Kane and Michelle Bishop, special guest sixes all-rounder Tom Curran. I know Jamie will be tuning in for that. Joel has texted us too, Jug. Bugs arrived with our younger SEN alumni. Seems to be plotting far worse on Mondays. Yeah, you're talking about 2am, Tom, with a tummy bug, the mysterious tummy bug. Not dissimilar to the ones that tend to rip through Origin Camp in the build-up to the big game. And I think Two-Buck Chuck might have had a few as well. Always on a Monday. Isn't that curious? Always on a Monday. Let's tidy up the rest of these texts. Did you just say Carmelo? Do you mean there's two of us out there? I didn't say that, Carmelo, but I reckon there are more than one of you. If you're not that Carmelo and your name's Carmelo, let us know on the text line. Uh, I know you, Stingray, a massive Damien Oliver fan, 129 Group 1 winners. The list is exhausting. Here are some of my faves. Scalacci, Alingi, Mannerism, Naturalism, Northerly, Special Harmony, Tester, Rossa, Dane Ripper. The list goes on. Media Puzzle still his greatest ever ride, though. Wasn't a Stingray, considering the circumstances. Paco from Randwick. Jules, would you mind letting Roosterman know that the eastern suburbs Roosters were the foundation club, not the new Sydney Roosters entity. They were at one stage named after a Ford dealership. On and on it goes. And then in reply to that, Bondi Jack says, Jules, the hatred is easy to accept and the Roosters will always have the high moral ground on this. In the 50s, with the stroke of a pen, Souths, Mr S.G. Ball, acting as New South Wales Rugby League president, stole Kenzo, Kingsford, South Coogee, Maroubra and La Perouse from East's Junior Rugby League Football Club. To this day, they are in the eastern suburbs, says Bondi Jack. <laughs> Roosterman says, best summer fruit is beer. Full stop, declare victory, Rooster Man. I do like my beer. Can I just say, though, I love my fruit, Rooster Man. I love my beer. But as Peter Lawler, cricket writer for the Australian, said, fruit and beer should really never mix. It's like oil and water. Maybe rare exceptions, but oh, with you can't mix fruit and beer, can you? Can't it. Greenkeeping Rooster, can't stand it when people say versing and people who reverse park with a reversing camera are useless. Yeah, I can do it blind. I don't have a reverse camera on my 2008 Nissan Tita. So that solves that. And Jody from the lake, the fact we're still talking about the NRL in the second week of December proves to me that the Vakes experiment already is successful. It's keeping them in the headlines. And Hillstorm, Hillary, Triple the Fun, Joy and Culture, Storm and Broncos, IA, Yippie, Yippie, I. Queensland are best players and good lookers too. Cheers and morning cuppers, Jules. Thank you, Hillstorm. You get the final word on the program today. Thank you to Jamie. Thank you to 2AM Tommy, to our guests, to David New, to Simon Hill. And to Dan Christian, as well as Loz Nicholson from the Sydney Flames. Jimmy Smith after the break. I'm Julian King. Thank you for your company this morning. Back to do it all again tomorrow, same time. Have a great Tuesday. Bye-bye.